This is Dumb Money Live with Chris Camillo, Dave Hansen, and Jordan McLean, streaming live on YouTube. We are Dumb Money. Hey there, Dave here, along with Chris and Jordan. Together, we are Dumb Money, and today we're talking about major public companies that we think literally might go out of business as we all adapt to this new stay-at-home economy. We're also going to talk about what has changed in our personal accounts since our last show, uh, how we each view the market, and how we intend to gauge the bottom uh, in the market that we're, that we're looking into for uh, our rebound trades. Uh, yesterday, Bill Ackerman, the hedge fund manager, said that every hotel in the country will be shut down if uh, if we don't shut the entire world down for 30 days. Without that, companies like Hilton could go to zero. So today we're going to take a deeper look at those kind of companies, the ones that the government might not bail out. Are there companies in your stock portfolio that will go to zero? Let's talk about it, guys. What's up? Uh, man, what, 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 what did our last show what two days ago um well what are two days i mean what have you guys changed let's see um dave you know i have increased my short hedge over the past two days um uh, i've increased it pretty dramatically i think at the end of that show i was at like at some point roughly 30 percent hedged i i've now increased that short hedge to like 80% uh, hedge on my portfolio. Uh, I, I still kind of feel that we have more of a risk of a massive downslide that could be a 10 to 20% downslide from here uh, than hitting our rebound anytime in the next few days. Um, I have started to, most of the past two days have been spent, as you guys know, I've been texting you nonstop. I, what's that disease when you, your fingers, you can't move your finger? What's that called? Or you're, you're having a carpal tunnel thumb or yeah, something. Yeah. So I've been doing, you know, I trade on my phone, right? So I'm like, I'm like watching, you know, I'm watching the market on my computer. I'm trading my phone. I can't move my thumb right now. It is so painful. That's how much trading I've been doing over the last few days. Um, so all I've been doing uh, is really assessing short trades. Um, I've been looking at balance sheets. Uh, I've been looking at cash flow statements, uh, income statements, uh, uh, lines of credit, debt. We have assessed just about every single short candidate, uh, ranging from the travel sector to you know hospitality, uh, food and beverage, uh, entertainment. And, and on today's show, we're going to discuss some of our favorite shorts, uh, shorts that we think have potential to uh, either go bankrupt or even if they are saved by the government, uh, could be at risk of having the equity component of that uh, company get completely wiped out to where bondholders might be okay, but equity holders are wiped out. So uh, my number one short right now uh, is TripAdvisor. I think I think what a lot of people, and by the way, let's before I discuss that, um, my last short that I think I discussed in the last show I still have Dave and Buster's. Uh, as you know, I've been shorting Dave and Buster's since like $14 a share. Um, it's down to, I think, six or seven today. Got all the way down to five at one point. Uh, I'm still short Dave and Buster's. I did remove 50% of that short position uh, only because it got to such a low level. What, Dave? Yeah, and my, my, my biggest short, I think you're also in or were at one point, and that is in Yelp. Um, I have a 20,000 share short in Yelp right now, which is doing well. Uh, um, I, I, 
actually have uh, some others that I think will do well. But when it comes to to short, I am uh, short on the SPY and on Yelp. But you're really you, you're really short in the SPY, but that's more of a of a variable portfolio hedge, right? I mean, it's just absolutely it, it's that's that, that's not speculation, but my Yelp short is. Yeah, I, I, I should say yes, Yelp as well. I'm twenty five thousand shares short Yelp, and I have been shorting Yelp since uh, $29 a share. So I've ridden Yelp down from 29 uh, to where it is today, which is about 16. Uh, the first trade on Yelp was an option trade. Um, I trade the $30 put options. Uh, I One of the best trades I've had in a while, it was a $80,000 trade that I exited at roughly $400,000 over the course of four days. Um, and uh, that, what I learned there, we have people was, asking what our what our strike price is on Yelp, and in fact, we're just shorting the shares directly. We're not uh, in options. Yeah, so let me explain what happened. I, I did purchase the thirty dollar uh, put options on Yelp uh, back when it was about twenty eight. I think it was roughly twenty eight dollars a share, twenty nine dollars a share, and I exited that when Yelp was at I think right at twenty dollars a share. The the options were so illiquid. This market is so illiquid that when you're trading heavy volumes of uh, derivatives on some of these individual equities, it's next to impossible to exit the trade at any reasonable price. It was really frustrating. It took me a few hours just to exit that trade. And, you know, from that point on, I just went straight short. It's a lot easier to, to you know, short a trade. And now it's more it's riskier, obviously, but we can handle the risk. Uh, it's easier just to plop in and sell shares short and cover them than have to deal with a derivative market maker. So uh, I'm right there with you, Dave, on, on Yelp. And, and right now we do have to say that Yelp is up today. They're, um... So I think all of these big short candidates- Up 11, up, up 11 up percent right now. Yeah, uh, Dave and Buster's up today, Marriott, Hilton, right? Like all the big short plays. That Yesterday was such a crushing day for all of the high risk uh, short trades, uh, it, it was insane. Marriott was down what thirty percent or something like that. Today is a little bit of a recovery day. A lot of these companies have came out this morning, like Marriott, and said, "Hey, you know, it's bad, but we're taking measures. We're being careful. We have two billion dollars uh, left on our loan facility that we can still tap into." We'll talk about all this on the show today. Um, so investors are now trying to figure out, okay. Maybe it's not as bad as we thought it was yesterday. Maybe they have a plan. They're taking drastic measures in terms of compensation cuts to lower their costs. Things are getting a little bit better in China for some of these companies like Marriott and Hilton. So, you know, it's that we're definitely seeing some short covering today. I think that's a lot of this is short covering from yesterday's big gains. Hey, I was short Marriott and I was short Hilton and I covered both of those stocks this morning along with, I think, a lot of other people. At some point, I might get back into them. But I again, I prefer um, to continue shorting uh, Dave and Buster's uh, TripAdvisor, which I'll talk about in a minute, uh, and also Yelp. Those are kind of my three active short positions. Uh, Jordan, have you played it all in the short game? Or uh, no, I was early on. I did a few um, spy puts. Um, I just, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not shorting anything right now. Oh, how about the uh, airline? So I, I did say in the last show, remember, I bought American mm -hmm. Airlines. Yeah. Um, I, so American Airlines was a good trade for a small bit. 
And no. then we realized that 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 relief package might not be as beneficial as we thought it was going to be for the airlines. There might be some pain there. Yeah, I think uh, I actually sold that for a very slight gain. Me too. I think I might have sold it for a nickel a right. share gain or something like that. Well, I got out of that quickly yesterday morning, right, right. it open, uh, and uh, it tanked after that. Uh, so w- want me to talk about my TripAdvisor? Because that's kind of the one I've been spending some time on. Yes. And Dave Buster. Okay, so I think here's what I'm seeing a lot. So people are going to a lot of these obvious shorts, right? The companies that have massive amounts of debt. And they're thinking, okay, these are the companies that are most likely to go out of business, most likely to go bankrupt. Um, and that makes a lot of sense. Those are the easy targets, right? And those are the ones that the market's really focused on. Um, However, you know, most of those are, I don't want to call them played out because they can go to zero, right? And really the differentiation between them hitting zero and recovering is the type of bailout package that the government is going to offer. Now, if the government is just simply going to offer to buy their bonds and, and to save them with no strings attached, that would be absolutely amazing for all these airlines, hotels, and, and cruise, cruise lines, right? Uh, as, as well as some of these, maybe some big restaurant companies, if they can tap into it. The issue is, if it comes with strings attached, or if they have uh, provisions in their debt obligations, uh, the equity holders could get totally crushed. So I think there's some more interesting plays, and, and, and I've spent some time studying not so much the balance sheet, but the income statements of a company like TripAdvisor. So if you look at TripAdvisor, and I don't have the numbers right in front of me, Dave, you might be able to pull uh, in, in, you know, on Yahoo Finance the income statement for TripAdvisor. What's fascinating is we have a company here, it's maybe the largest company in the world in terms of travel bookings, in terms of travel advertising, right? So it's the largest kind of booking site in the entire world for travel. So you know, it's not unreasonable to think that the revenues will be down 80% starting right now for the foreseeable future, potentially months, right? Potentially two months, maybe even three months, maybe even longer. Um, so TripAdvisor has a really, really small amount of cash. I think they have $300 million of cash. Oh, there it is, Dave. Thank you. Okay, yeah. let's take a look here. Uh, how much cash uh, do they have on the balance sheet? It looks like they have uh where's their cash where's the cash uh they have total assets of 1.9 okay so that's so that's not an actual balance sheet then if you look at the balance if you go to yahoo finance balance sheet uh just type in TripAdvisor balance sheet the first link should be yahoo uh and the, the the cash i think is 300 million well it sounds like a lot of cash right and what's fascinating about TripAdvisor is they have virtually no debt i don't think they have a lot of a debt. I have to, to look. Look, you is like one point two billion dollars. Okay, one point two billion. Well, their cost of revenue, I think, is is, is relatively high. It's not that far from one point two billion. It might be eight or nine hundred million. So, the, the, their operating costs, their fixed operating costs, are so high as a company that if they lose 80%, oh, there's their cash. All right, so so you can see their cash right there, $319 million of cash on their balance sheet. Um, and if we kind of go down now, uh, that's the balance sheet. Now, let's look at their debt. Let's see, did they have any debt at all? Uh, let's see. Uh, right there, right there, right there. Uh, uh, long-term debt. So they have no debt, basically. 
So they have long-term liabilities, but they really it doesn't look like they have any long-term debt. So it looks like, hey, how 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 can you go wrong? They got no debt. How how can these guys get in trouble? So now let's go over to the income statement. Okay, so we're gonna we'll take a look at the TripAdvisor income statement. It's right on the same page, Dave. It's it's a it's another tab on that Yahoo page. You just click like you, you had the you had the uh, balance sheet clicked. You can just click on the uh, right to the right of the balance sheet. There's a income statement tab on that same page. My window is so small, I can't find it. Hang oh, on. Oh, if you, yeah. It's on the top part, upper left. Yeah, so Dave spent 10 years at, working at Yahoo. So he, you should definitely know. I don't know how there. to work Yahoo Finance. That <laughs> we, we, we haven't been on Yahoo Finance. I haven't been on Yahoo Finance in probably 10 years. Um, but I do. It's, it's the easiest way to kind of pull out some of these numbers. Okay, so. I have their, I have their uh, earnings estimates. No, no, no. Go back to the balance sheet. Go back, go back to the balance sheet that you were on. Just go back to that page. Okay. Okay. Now, on, on the top of that page, you'll see three income little. Statement. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just click income statement. It takes you right All there. All right. Here we go. Okay. So here's the income statement. Let's see. Can you scroll so we can see 2000 this quarter that's up there? Okay. There. Okay. There we go. So 1231. Uh, their total revenue. Ready for this, guys? Is 1.5 billion. In basically all advertising, I think they have some subscription revenue in there, but most of that, I believe, is advertising revenue. Their gross profit, I mean, their margins are so high because it's essentially all advertised, $1.466 billion. So that sounds great. But selling general and administrative costs, which is essentially their fixed cost, is $1.1 billion, right? So even though they have $1.4 billion of gross profit, it looks like it's about 75% of that is cost. So their cost of operating is at 75%. So basically, their, their cost of operating is roughly $1 billion a month. Okay? A billion dollars a month. Uh, excuse me, $100 million a month. $100 million a month to operate the company. Okay? So it, it, let's just say if we assume that their revenue is going to go down by 80% and that one point four, six, six uh, number gets cut by 80%. That's going to be six, six times 0.2. Their revenue goes down to 293 million. Their gross profit goes down to 293 million. So if gross profit is 293 million, that's only $24 million a month in gross profit. Well, if we think they're spending about $100 million a month in, in fixed cost, that's, uh, let's see, minus 100. That means they're losing $75 million a month, okay? So if they're losing $75 million a month and they have $330 million uh, in cash, that gives them a run rate of 4.4 months till they're essentially bankrupt. Now, things we need to think about. Do they have a, a line, a revolving line of credit that they could tap into? Probably, right? Uh, if they don't, can they get one? Probably, yes. Uh, so there is some degree of credit that they can tap into. Also, can they do layoffs? Uh, can they cut back on costs? Yes, 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 yes. They can do all those things. They can stretch that number out. How far can they stretch that number? Can they stretch it to six months? Can they maybe stretch it to seven months? Possibly, right? Um, but what I'm getting at here is that I think, and again, I want to remind everyone that we're not investment advisors. <laughs> I mean, do your own research, guys. Don't don't 
do not mirror our trades. And by the way, a big reason why you never want to mirror our trades is because you're never going to know when we sell a trade. You're never going to know when we exit because we only do shows every few days, right? And we're not listing every trade on Twitter or on our, on our page. So our risk tolerance is very different from your risk tolerance. Do not do what we do. Just learn from us. Learn the process. This is about the process of having a prepared mind, okay? It's the process of what we call um, scenario modeling. You want to model out these various scenarios and how they can play out and how each scenario would impact either the market or a particular company. And you want to get ahead of where other investors are, right? You, and because there's so much noise out there and people are moving so quickly that if you could spend a little bit of time going through this modeling, you'll be steps ahead. So I'm making a case that TripAdvisor is actually an at-risk company when I don't think the market realizes that to the extent that some of these high debt companies are. So that's kind of my thesis on TripAdvisor. Um, it's actually a similar thesis on Yelp. We can pull up Yelp, Dave. You want to do the same exercise at Yelp and see where they are? Yeah. By the way, this is not the type of work that I normally do. As you, you know, we're all about social arbitrage investing. Uh, we we essentially arbitrage information. We generally do not look into balance sheets and cash flow statements. This is not what we do. Um, this is an extraordinary circumstance. That we're in extraordinary times, and we're having mm -hmm. to do some old school finance work, which is generally far outside uh, of our. Um, natural expertise and advantage uh, compared to the, all most that. of our research happens on Twitter and yeah. on social platforms, not yeah. on uh, financial balance sheets. Yeah. So, so normally we, we would not have an edge on the market when it comes to this type of work, but this is just and when you do this work, you're doing it on Yahoo finance and not actually downloading it from the company's, uh, you know, yeah. official SEC statements. Yeah. Yeah, like honestly, Yahoo Finance might not even be correct, and, and probably ten percent of the time they're not correct. Um, okay, so this is we got Yelp here. Let's do the same exercise with Yelp. So uh, they have how much cash, Dave? One hundred and seventy million dollars. Oh, look at their cash got burnt down over the last two years. They went from five forty-seven yeah. in seventeen to three thirty-two to one seventy. So Yelp has been making incredible investments. Oh. Here's what I love about Yelp here. Okay, remember when I say that text the other day, guys? I don't know if you still have it about Yelp. Uh, so Yelp, uh, and a lot of people don't understand this because, you know, we're in the restaurant industry, so we follow Yelp pretty closely. Yelp made a strategic decision yep. to, they have massive costs in sales staff, right? They made a strategic decision that rather than signing up clients to long-term contracts, like long-term multi-year contracts for big Yelp deals, that they were going to spend a massive amount of money on building out basically a Google style or Facebook style bid for placement advertising engine where restaurants and, and small business can go in and place bids in real time for how much they were willing to pay. And they could essentially lower their budgets to zero in real time with no commitments. It's actually a great strategy. I think that was probably the right strategy for them at the time. What they weren't thinking about was that we're going to have a global pandemic that was going to wipe out every single one of their customers potentially in, yeah. in, in at the same time. And they're you, now you're a customer of Yelp, so you've you've been in their platform. You've you've been able to say, okay, look, I, I was able to get this many additional visits to my website. This, and you, you're basically paying to have your 
listing promoted on Yelp. Yes, absolutely. It is so easy to go in there and say, slide your budget down from $1,000 a month down to zero with no repercussions, no salesperson calls you. It, it's, it's, it makes it great for us as a business to be able to operate, but it's dangerous for them as a company. Now they don't have these long-term commitments with the bigger advertisers that, that would typically have you know signed a five-year de- advertising deal. Yeah, and so Dave, uh, seven days ago, I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. use Yelp at, at Inwood Tavern or Bar, but seven days ago, uh, our GM canceled in our entire Yelp. Con- I mean, it was no contract. He just he just lowered everything to zero. So our Yelp budget went from like a few thousand bucks a month to zero in uh, seven days ago. And from what I understand, uh, from we've been looking at tweets of people talking about Yelp that were also restaurants. Uh, they say they've been on the phone with Yelp, canceling their advertising deals with them, and that is all they are doing. They've heard from Yelp reps that all they are doing is fielding phone calls with restaurant owners that are saying, "Take my bids down to zero." I guess people don't know how to use their online system. But okay, let's get back to the, the balance sheet because this, I, 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 this is interesting. Let's see where we are with Yelp. All right. So these guys have 170 million in cash. Dave, let's see. Do they have any uh, long-term debt? At all, or any, any debt at all. Uh, let's see. Assets, liabilities. Okay, right there. Okay, counts pay. Oh, there we go. Uh, so, uh, again, they have... Uh, non-current liabilities. Non-current, they have some non-current liabilities. I don't know how they have that structure, but, but it doesn't look like they have any... Uh, I, I don't know how they're listing a non-current liabilities. That could be debt right there, actually. So... Um, yeah. I, I don't know how, again, we had an actual balance. And, and if you look, it, it is also had a, maybe it was a one-time, uh, one-time debt yeah. that they took out here in, in yeah. this, uh, most recent, uh, well, these are, these are fiscal years. So 2019 is, is way higher in this non-current liabilities column. Yes. But, but let, but let's see, let's go back up and see the actual, uh, debt again. I want to see what that is before we switch to the earnings, uh, uh, to their uh, income statement, the actual cash on hand. I'm so, I'm sorry, cash on no, hand. Total cash is 412, which is down from oh, no, 755 no, but, yeah, last but, year, which uh, is down but, from 812 the year before. But cash, cash is 170 million. So short-term investments are 242 million. Um, I don't know what they label as short-term investments. I don't know if those are actually liquid or not. Um, so I'm going to say they have $170 million in cash and potentially another quarter of a billion. Let's go over to the income statement. Take a look there. So this is where it gets really interesting. Their total uh, revenue is about a billion dollars. Cost of revenue next to nothing because it's advertising, right? $60 million. So their gross profit is $951 million. All right. You ready for this, guys? Their research development is $230 million, and their selling general and administrative expenses is $830 million. So $630 million. So we're looking at $850 million in expense, and those are fixed cost expenses, okay? Now, of course, some of that can be cut, but that's basically saying that $850 divided by $950, that they're, they... <laughs> Basically, 90% of their gross profit is accounted for with their fixed cost. So 
nine out of every ten dollars that they make in gross profit go towards paying their fixed costs. So now we think I'm going to say, and this is a bold statement, but I'm going to say at least their their advertising revenue. I'm going to say cut by eighty percent. I think it might be cut by ninety percent, but let's just let's just say eighty percent. So let's take that gross profit, uh, multiply that by twenty. If I'm correct, that takes their uh, their gross profit to 190 million a year. So we're going to take that 190 divided by 12. They're making 15 million dollars a month in gross profit. If I'm correct, if I'm correct, right now, starting right now, 15 million a month in gross profit only. Okay. Now their their cost uh, at 850 million divided by 12 is 70 million a month. So that means that they're potentially losing, what is that, 55 million a month. So they had how much in cash? Uh, was it, Dave? Uh, let me get back to that. I was just canceling my Yelp budget real quick. Oh, <laughs> you realize you're still. You're I, I, I realized that I still had, um, we're just restricting competitors' ads from our Yelp listing, which uh, they charge $50 a month for. I'm canceling that since uh, we're now closed for the foreseeable future. Okay. Uh, which which uh, page do you want me back on the uh, balance sheet here? Balance sheet, yeah. And total cash is uh, again 170 million. So if they're losing 55 million a month, they'll be out of cash in basically three months. Now again, do they have a line of credit they can tap into? Possibly. I haven't dug that far. Uh, do they have the ability to raise capital? Yes. Do they have the ability to cut costs? Yes. So can they push that out to maybe five months or six months? Absolutely, they can. Um, but still, we have a company here that I think is potentially at risk if this thing gets considerably worse. And I think, you know, the, my thesis in shorting these companies is that we haven't hit peak panic yet. Um, I think peak panic is probably comes in the next week. Okay. And so I think when we hit that level of peak panic, I think some of these other companies uh, like Yelp and TripAdvisor that are completely reliant on either the travel industry or on the restaurant industry that haven't really gotten hit as hard, at least, as some of these others have been. Um, they've gotten hit hard, but not as hard. I think and I hope there's still when that happens, there's still more downside. So, again, it's a speculative trade highly speculative um but right now uh, you know those three companies and uh, by the way dave and busters is a totally different type of short dave and busters crazy high debt uh, they're making virtually zero income right now so for them they are a bailout situation look at that fifty dollars to seven dollars okay so dave and busters is more of a conventional they're going bankrupt unless they get bailed out play and so that one has been beaten to death. So it's a binary play. They're either going to get very friendly bailout money from the government and they're going to survive or they're going to get less friendly bailout money from the government and they're going to potentially either go bankrupt or equity holders get crushed. You know, it's like going to Vegas at that point. And, you know, this is why Jordan hates this stuff because Jordan was just telling me last night, I cannot bet against the company. He just morally and ethically cannot <laughs> do it. And I understand that. I, I totally get that. Um, I, I don't bet against the company. But at the same time, it kind of makes me sick that these companies had so much. I mean, these companies all had massive amounts of cash. And they just literally use it to buy back stock. They gave it away. They weren't being fiscally responsible, right? And now they pay the price. 
I don't want the companies to go away. I want the employees to be saved. But at the same time, man, if you're an equity holder in some of these companies, you have been killing it for years. And I've been killing it for years and years and years. And I, I, <laughs> you have to understand what you're invested in. You're invested in a company that's not prepared to survive a global pandemic. Okay. And so that's just the reality. And so I have to make these trades. I don't want companies to fail. I don't want the people behind them to fail, the employees, but it's just, it's what I do. It's, it's how I make a living, right? Let's talk about that for a second. What do you think the government is going to do in each industry? So as a small business owner, you and I don't know what really to expect for our employees yet. You know, are, are we going to get a bailout or is this going to be just for the bigger companies? What, what's going to happen? Well, Dave, we know they're they're trying to give individual payments to individual workers, but that seems to be a very short term solution. Jordan, so here's a so I I was watching something I don't remember what news channel I was watching, but there's a head of the restaurant industry uh, right now that's trying to get a four hundred billion dollar bailout for basically the entire restaurant industry, right? And so that's a pretty big pretty big bailout. And they're working on a it's, trillion it's not, dollar package that includes has, fifty billion for the airlines. And is is that going to be enough for to save all of the airlines? No, they're going to have to do more and more. So Dave, Dave, Jordan, let's run the numbers. So they get four hundred billion, right? Like four hundred was four hundred billion, right? Is what they want? Yeah. Okay, so let's divide four hundred billion by. Um, oh, I thought it was three hundred. Are you sure? I thought it was. I thought it was four hundred million for the restaurant industry. It was a four hundred billion. You sure? Maybe a million. Okay. Even if it's four hundred billion, how many restaurants? In, it's a, how many restaurants do we have in the country? I think it would go for that. Five million would all go for it because everyone's going to go for it, right? It, like, what's four hundred billion divided by five million, Dave? Or four divided by four million restaurants or something like that? Is that, I don't have a calculator. They got one. One million restaurants. That makes it easy, right? Just do the factor there. Jordan, you're, you're a math mathematician. Uh, so four billion divided by a million. Hold on. Divided by. I think that's four thousand dollars a restaurant. So is that is that correct? I think it's it's four thousand dollars a restaurant. No, no, no. Can we get our, our engineer to uh, work on that math problem? Four hundred billion. Four divided like by a million. The restaurant divided by a million. Yeah, it's how much? Four hundred thousand. It's not four hundred thousand. That's not a million. It's not right. Divided by a million. Can some of our? Uh, can someone get? <laughs> can someone in the comments do math for us? Someone is saying um, okay, 400,000 a restaurant. 000. That doesn't make sense. Well, if, well, that's, if that's true, I want to uh, own more restaurants and take four, $400,000 from the government. It, it, that doesn't it, make there's sense. There's no way they're doing look at the Look up the restaurant. Can you try to validate that? There's no way uh, restaurant bailout. I thought it was $300 million that the restaurant industry was going for, which is going to be a couple thousand bucks per restaurant. That's what me and Dave were looking at yesterday. But what's, that, what's that even going to do? Nothing. It will do absolutely nothing. And and so that's that's kind of the whole point. I'm, I'm reading here. Let me see. Okay, ready? Uh, 15 million. Let's see what they're going for. 
Sorry, guys. We should have done our homework better. Forbes uh, says that the restaurant industry was projected to make $899 million in 2020. Yeah. Uh, the group is projecting a $225 billion sales decline between That's 5 to 7 million jobs $225 billion in losses. Yeah, but I'm saying the bailout package that they're requesting um, – is is like three hundred million is what I read yet. I, I could be wrong. I thought I read three hundred million is what they were earmarking for the restaurant industry. Because when me and Dave ran the numbers yesterday, it came out yeah. to three thousand dollars per restaurant. And I was like, how on earth? Yeah, what that doesn't is, make any sense. Well, I mean, it doesn't, but it kind of like it, it, it. You know, it just it's the restaurant industry. There, there's no way they're going to give four hundred billion to restaurants because they're not strategically important to the country they would rather write checks to every worker right yeah. and so um and that bill is like half a trillion right or a trillion or something like that so listen the bottom line is i think if you look at these restaurant stocks you're basically looking at a bailout package and i do not believe the government it, oh, 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 so Aaron Lewis, Jordan, is saying it's $300 billion for all small business. Okay. Uh, I, don't, yeah. I, don't know that I've, I don't know that I've seen that either, though. Um, it, 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 I don't even believe that, but it, it, might, it might be. But if it's $300 billion for all small business, restaurants are a very small part of that. Yeah. Um, so I don't think the government is going to – and by the way, these are loans, right? These are it's not just free money. These are loans. And by the time they get that stuff processed, taking out loans, I mean, I, I, I don't see I don't see how you save it. Um, I think I think ultimately uh, Dave and Buster's and these guys, I, I don't know how they survive. I just I don't know how they survive unless we get a really quick V recovery that happens at the latest, like May or June. Right. If this thing kind of pushes into the summer. I don't really understand how a Dave and Buster's or a Blooming Brands or a was it like Darden or a Cheesecake Factory? Uh, you know, I was shorting Cheesecake Factory. I covered that short, so I I, I just covered that. Um, I don't understand how any of those guys survive. Yeah, and when when I'm just looking here, it looks it looks like they're um they haven't yet broken out in in what I can find a number four uh, restaurant specifically, but the the Trillion dollar package uh, provides direct payments to individuals, small businesses, along with aid for airlines. The airlines, the one that they did, at least the airline industry has a number they're asking for. Um, yeah. So, so let's talk about that, guys. Air, you know, the package airlines are going to get their money, right? We know that's happening. It's just a matter of what it looks like. Um, cruise lines might or might not even get their money. You know, we have that kind of famous cruisers going to cruise. That's all on me. Uh, that investment's down by like 90% right now. It's a small speculative trade. Uh, I, I, there's a part of me that kind of wants to, to kind of throw some money. Now that Royal Caribbean was at like 22 bucks a share. I don't know where it is today. Um, I still believe cruisers are going to cruise. They, that's not stopping, right? You cannot stop the cruisers. You'll never stop the cruisers. It will never end. Um, the question is whether they're going to be cruising Royal Caribbean and Carnival or Royal Caribbean 2 post-bankruptcy, right? Where all the equity holders get completely crushed. That is undetermined. So 
Um, I'm kind of writing off that for now, although there is still a long shot that if they get a, a really sweet uh, deal that they could maybe survive this. Um, airlines, same thing. Uh, hotels, same thing. Hotels will get something, right? Uh, Marriott, Hilton, they're going to get a package. We know that's happening. It's a matter of how penalizing the package is. And everyone's talking about, this really kind of upsets me too. Everyone's talking about, oh, you know, don't let them ever do a buyback again if you take government money. And I get that. I get why people are saying that. But guys, don't, they should not be messing. Buyback, the whole concept of dividends and buybacks is to redistribute excess income to shareholders. shareholders. Yeah. yeah, There's an appropriate time to do buybacks and they just need to keep, higher reserves on hand. So I, I think it might be smart to say you must have this much in reserve for a black swan event in the future. But let's be honest. I, I don't think, I think common should get wiped out. I think the shareholders should get wiped out. They get government. I think governments should come into these deals like a vulture debt uh, financier. Okay. And they should penalize the hell. They should come to the table with other debt financers and say, Hey, who else is coming in? Nobody? Okay, we want the whole company. We'll save you and we want everything. We want it all. We want all of it, right? We'll, we'll leave 10% of it for the bondholders just so they can approve it because, hey, bondholders, 10% is better than nothing. You want nothing or you want 10%, right? That's it. Equity holders, you're gone. Sorry, you invested in a speculative equity that didn't do a good job conserving money. And guess what? Next time you learn your lesson. Next time you make your investment in a high flyer or a company that's going up 30% a year for 18 years in a row or 12 years in a row, maybe you'll think about that, okay, Mr. Equity Holder? That, listen, I've been one of those guys. I've learned my lesson plenty of times. That's how we learn. That's how the business community gets smarter and better, right? So like, come in, say, you oh, you want a billion dollars, American Airlines? Fine. You want 10 billion, 20 billion? What do you need? Does it make financial sense? We'll give it to you. We, we own the airline. Government owns the airline now. It's the government gets the equity. Over time, as the airline starts doing better, they start to issue stock back to the public. You know what I'm saying? Making money yeah. on that stock, right? That's, that's when they can buy back their own stock and take control of their airline from the government. That's exactly correct. I and say it would completely make sense penalize the hell out of these companies. That's the only way they're going to learn. Um, and by the way, it's just, it's just, it's just the way of, it's, gosh, it pisses me off. It really pisses me off. And everyone's like, oh, just don't let them do any more buybacks. What, what, the, what is that? Like, you're going to try to micromanage a company? Like, who's going to be like, that's just stupid. You know what's going to happen if they do that? Less people will invest in those companies in the future, right? Now, now one thing they, they may want to put a limit on is executive pay. Other than that, running the company makes sense. But don't don't take taxpayer money and then increase your salary. But do what you need to do to um, to keep the company afloat and and grow the business. I don't even think you should reduce executive pay. That's none of their business. That's none of their business. If you want to pay a guy $10 billion a year and you have shareholders that are like, he's worth $10 billion a year, I want to invest in the company knowing he makes $10 billion a year. That's true. Because, because God, I don't know, maybe he's the greatest person. Maybe it's, maybe it's Steve Jobs. Maybe it's Jeff Bezos. And he's worth $10 billion a year. I'm not saying he is, 
But if you have enough, and that's the choice of the investors, right? Now, if the government wants to buy the company and take majority ownership, fire the CEO, take control of the board and say, hey, we're gonna have we're gonna have a CEO that makes 50 grand a year and see what kind of CEO you get for that, right? But if you're and, and by the way, the government owns the money. Do you think the government's really good at managing companies and making those decisions? Of course they're terrible at it. You don't want the government, <laughs> they're terrible at it. So, but there has to be a better way. Just come think of yourself as a vulture financier because that's exactly what the government is, and they should be they should strong arm companies right now. Anyway, sorry for that rant. I, that's been on that's been on my chest for okay, two now, years. Let's talk about another another industry where the government could literally take over the industry if they wanted to. Automotive. The you know we have GM, Ford, and Chrysler all shutting down their factories in the U.S. They they're used to getting bailouts. What what's going to happen here? Uh, you know how I feel on this. Uh, <laughs> automotive is a non-essential business. I mean, let, let let people make cars that are capable of making cars and surviving. And again, if you think it, I, how'd that last round of loans go? Did they go well? I don't know for the government. If they went well, then do it again. Remember when they took that was it 2011? Yeah, we did that round of loans. So and, I mean, just we have we have a base plan for that. Yeah, with GM, they took they they did what you were talking about, didn't they? Yeah, thought, how did it work? I don't I don't even recall. I thought GM went totally bankrupt, and uh, all the yeah, I know, I didn't out. Yeah, but didn't the government do well on that deal? Because they they ended up getting all the equity and then reselling it to the market. Yeah, so you know there there it is. Uh, by the way, can I answer this quick question, David W? Uh, are you looking at long-dated puts for Yelp uh, or TripAdvisor? Um, so I, on Yelp, I'm just shorting them straight up, which is really dangerous and not something that you know, you know, any investor should do unless they're really um, ha- have have expertise. There's unlimited downside when you short a company, but I, I'm shorting them. I don't care. Uh, and then on TripAdvisor, I actually have the puts. Uh, I'll tell you what I got. Uh, I'll pull it up right now. What do you have, Dave? Do you have the same ones I got on TripAdvisor? I'm not in TripAdvisor. Oh, you're not? Uh, Okay. So so on Trip, I got the uh, April 17th $20 put options, which are down today. Um, So I have a couple hundred of those options right now, a couple hundred contracts on on, on, uh, Trip. Highly speculative. Like in this market, anything could happen. You get a quick rebound; these things can pop up real bad. I'll get wiped out on those trades. How so, much lower uh, can uh, AMC <clears throat> movie theaters go? You know, I I haven't really looked into AMC that much. I have a feeling that AMC is probably in the same boat as the cruise lines and the airlines, in that they are likely completely reliant on government bailout money. And it's kind of a binary event for them. Yeah, they're either going to get a friendly deal or they're not. What about? I, yeah, what about- I don't. I don't see movie theaters as being an, an essential thing now that you can just watch movies at home. And in fact, for the first time, I heard a commercial today where the tag where it says "in theaters now" said "in theaters now" and available for streaming this weekend. And what? I think uh, Disney is bringing Frozen Two uh, to. Disney Plus, like three months earlier than expected, because there's so many kids sitting at home right now. It's already out. Yeah. <laughs> we got it. We got oh, it. Right yeah. Uh, Jordan, so, um, AMC Theaters has they have 
nearly 39,000 employees. They have net income of negative $145 million. They have $10 billion in debt, $13 billion in assets. They're down 80% uh, 12 months. Yeah, they were already. Can they go lower? Can they go out of business? Of course. Of course they can. It's a buy. But they're already trading down, what, 80, 85, 90? Down 80%, down 65% this month. Yeah. Uh, so they've been going down, 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 and then they just fell through the floor. So, so what Michael says is that they don't have debt payments for three years, right? And so that's fine that they don't have debt payments for three years, but they still have a cash of operating the business. I'm sure they still have massive lease payments, right? On And so, it, again, you got to pull out, pull out the income statement. If you really want to know, pull out the income statement and see – what their operating, their fixed operating costs are, right? And then if their if their revenue is zero, <laughs> those, you can see what their monthly cash burn is, right? And yeah. then you got to see how much debt do they have left to, to borrow, right? Can they take down from the from their borrowers? And John is saying they're um, majorly owned by a Chinese company, so probably not getting much U.S. Uh, support. Yeah, you know, um, so that's interesting, but I don't know how much lower you can go if you. So one of our viewers just uh, asked uh, John Battle about JetBlue. Uh, you know, their liquidation value is four billion. Their market cap is two billion. So um, I, you know, the, Goldman Sachs just put out a full airline report uh, a few days ago, and they did some deep dive analysis. I think it was Goldman. It might have been Bank of America. On I think it was Goldman on all of the airlines. And which ones were most at risk of bankruptcy in the in the event that they get significant bailout money based on what the waterfalls look like for their debt obligations. Right. And JetBlue was actually one of the three best companies in terms of being best in shape to survive that without crushing the equity shareholders. American Airlines was in the worst shape. Um, a couple of the other airlines that were in really good shape, I didn't even recognize. I think they were foreign airlines. But JetBlue was one that stuck in my head that of the airlines, JetBlue is like kind of one of the best positioned if they get government bailout money, depending on what that package looks like, to survive and get the equity holders keep some equity relative to the other airlines, at least. At least that's what this report said. Um, well, after, after that report, it looks like they're up a little bit today, 4%, but uh, way off of their highs. Yeah. Again, we don't know what that bailout package is going to look like, Dave, and we don't know how long it's going to last either. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that uh, – let me see here. Leon. Chris, uh, bullish on Wendy's. We have a, a question. Man, that's a – you, you went to a Wendy's store uh, – Earlier this week, two days ago, just to see if there was anyone waiting in line at the drive-thru. What did you see? Oh, well, I'll show you what I saw. <laughs> I, I should send you a – can I send you a pic right now, Dave? And you could, you could put yeah, you it – text it to me. Okay, uh, uh, guys, I'm going to text you the pic. This was at, uh, this is at dinner hour, like 6 p.m., when they should have been pretty crowded. I went to McDonald's. And I went to Wendy's. So, Dave, I just sent uh, Wendy's, and I'll send you McDonald's right now. Um, to say the least, uh, this is kind of some investigative work that we did. It was really disappointing, guys. Uh, I was really disappointed. I'm scared for Wendy's. Uh, Wendy's has more debt, I think, than almost any other fast food supplier. So, 
I loved Wendy's going into this trade only, you know, minus coronavirus, minus this whole catastrophe, right? So with the event that we're trying to get through right now, I don't like Wendy's because Wendy's is spending massive amounts of marketing to launch this breakfast, which, by the way, the first few days it was out, appeared to be doing significantly better than I anticipated, which is why I was excited about Wendy's. But I don't who is thinking about Wendy's? Well, uh, who's thinking? about Wendy's breakfast right now. I mean, absolutely nobody's thinking about Wendy's breakfast. Hold on, David. Uh, it's in the process of sending. So unfortunately for Wendy's, they're going to have to have a relaunch of their breakfast once the world gets back to normal. And I hope that's this summer. And I hope that Wendy's isn't in such a bad financial situation at that point that breakfast doesn't even matter anymore. Because in a lot of these cases, McDonald's announced, and the assumption is that Burger King and Wendy's and everyone else will have to delay payments uh, for their franchisees, meaning that they cannot collect rent from their franchisees because their franchisees will not have money to pay them. So it's a really delicate balance for for a franchiser like Wendy's and McDonald's. That's not Chris, that your studio right? setup came through, but not your Wendy's picture. No, I just tell you Wendy's. <laughs> That's insane because I'm telling you, oh, I, here it is. Hang on. Oh yeah, that's that's the picture from before. Yeah, that's, that that is my studio, guys. Um, so I'm concerned about Wendy's uh, surviving the next few months. <laughs> uh, if they survive the next few months and they're able to relaunch their breakfast, I will reinitiate the Wendy's breakfast trade at some point in the future. Uh, I still have a very small equity, very small equity position in Wendy's. It's so small for me, it's it's almost nominal. Uh, and I'm not going deeper on what I did double that position at some point this week. But then yesterday, I, I halved it uh, back to my, my initial very small position. So not so great on Wendy's right now. Yeah, I still um, sold all my Wendy's. What? I sold all my Wendy's. When this sold whole it, thing yeah. Happened. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you just you have to react in this market. Um, let's take a look here. Uh, I'm not commenting on the financials because it's not my area of expertise. Same thing with energy companies. Uh, it's just not what we do. Uh, uh, we will uh, have uh, potential shorts. I was looking at Live Nation as a potential. Well, so they've Live got, Nation. Uh, they basically they've got like two billion in cash, and they've got like. Eight to nine billion dollars a year in uh, fixed operating expenses, and then uh, wow. three billion in debt. So that could get ugly pretty quick for them. That can get ugly really quick. Jordan, do you know is Live Nation's revenue exclusively live events? I think so. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think so. Uh, so I research it more. This was so that I just looked up this morning. Um, as a potential. So if that's the case on Live Nation, uh, you're saying that if their revenue is at zero, which is, which is totally possible, possible yep. um, that they could be burning through, what is it, $12 billion a year, you said, or $8 billion in revenue? In, in, it looks like their fixed is eight. Uh, no, they're, they're, they're on their, uh, on their uh, revenue side. The revenue, the fixed is eight. The revenue is like... Their revenue is eleven. The um, for last year it was eleven billion. 
And, and what's their net? What's their net revenue after after variable cost? You know, it's negative. It's like uh... no, no. After variable cost, not not fixed cost. Um, the, var- the variable cost will go away with the yeah. revenues. So I want to discount that. It, right. Be- Get rid of the variable costs, like three. Um, okay, so they're basically they're down at eight. So they're basically doing eight. So let's call it seven hundred million a month. And they're basically seven hundred million a month of net revenue that they're losing. So if you say they have three billion in cash, that puts them out five months. At five yeah. months, at five months, they could be in trouble unless, and not even including their debt payments. By the way, yeah. uh, the debt interest. I don't know what debt interest. Their debt interest seems like it'd be a lot too, yeah, it's right? Three, it's three billion dollars. Yeah. So depending if they have interest on that, let's call it. Uh, you know, it could be meaningful, another ten or fifteen million a month. Yeah. So it looks like they're kind of in a similar situation to TripAdvisor and Yelp in that they're not at risk of going bankrupt in the next 60 days. But if this thing stretches out into the summer, or if it looks so bad, like it might stretch out into the summer, Live Nation, kind of like Trip and Yelp, becomes a viable bankruptcy risk. And I think their stocks get crushed yeah. another potentially 30 40%, 50% from here. So uh, we have a question. What do you think about shorting uh, Uber and Lyft? They are both up today because Uber had a call with analysts. Uh, apparently, they have enough cash to get them through this. Um, I took some notes on that. So here's the deal. There's also something about um, that they resumed uh, ride share like in one of the one of the eastern countries. I, I don't remember if it was like if it was Hong Kong or something like that. So here's the deal with Uber. I looked into Uber uh, yeah. two days ago. They have a massive amount of cash, massive. Okay, so I I calculated the numbers, and they kind of it was so surprising to me that Uber was up huge today because I figured this out a couple of days ago and just assumed that everybody realized it. And now Uber comes out and says what you could learn from like five minutes of looking at their balance sheet and cash flow statement that they have enough cash that even if this lasts for twelve to fifteen to sixteen months of 80% down revenue on their ride the ride ride business that they will be totally fine able to weather the storm which yeah. is obvious and, and that's just what they came out and said and if you, you were just smart enough yeah. why didn't you buy it because i assumed that this is all wall street does they're a bunch of number cruncher morons that's all they do so the least that they should have been able to do is figure that out so and obviously they didn't even figure that out until uber came out and told them this morning so like i and they also did come out and say that hong kong is starting to see recovery they're still you know as expected having dramatic drops in major markets like new york san francisco lyft is also up on the news even though they don't have a delivery service so they don't have delivery and they don't do anything in hong kong I think this was more about their ability to survive the next 14, 15 months if it goes that long than anything else. And again, it seems so evident from just looking at their financials. So here's the thing, guys. There are so many things to look at and people are so confused and stressed out and so distracted by noise that even the most obvious things, People aren't really trading of them. So there's there's disconnects happening in the market right now and dislocations all over the place. And that means there's opportunity if you could just kind of filter out the noise and zone in on a handful of tickers that you can develop some expertise in the, you know, the business model and how this whole event is going to, 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 
to kind of impact them. You have to run all the scenarios and you might run all these scenarios and go, listen, in eight out of the 10 scenarios that I run, the company is going to be way worse or way better than what it's priced at right now. Okay. And, and that's how you ultimately make a decision. You're like, hey, in the majority of scenarios, this thing should be way higher or way lower. So why is it trading like this? I'll tell you why. Because nobody's running all those scenarios. They're just running around with their heads cut off. They only know how to do one thing, just run conventional numbers, and make updates that are usually days to weeks behind where they should be. So there's massive opportunity to trade this market. And this is why I haven't been sleeping because like all I'm doing morning, night, middle of the night is just looking for these opportunities uh, where they- while you're, they not, while you're not prepping and making sure that everything goes through the containment uh, areas of your house where you have uh, a quarantine for incoming mail and deliveries and- Dude, can I just tell you- Here's something else to keep you awake at night though. It is uh, triple witching the day where options are expiring, index, futures, et cetera, on the same day. Do you think this is gonna cause a, a big upswing or a big downswing? Yesterday, Today was supposed to be our big upswing after yesterday's downswing if we're doing this every other day thing. So what, you, what, what is tomorrow? So, okay, let's look at the last three. And the Dow is only up 1% right now. So our big upswing isn't really happening. Yeah, so the last three weeks, uh, what we've seen, or the last six weeks, we've seen a massive reversal happen starting like either midday or very late in the day on a Friday. It's basically either profit taking or short covering, depending on how that week has gone. So if you make the assumption and the rationale for that, at first it was like nobody want to hold their longs into the weekend in case we got bad news with this whole virus, right? Now the market's been getting destroyed during the week and nobody wants to hold their shorts and all those profits into the weekend because they're concerned that the government will come out and manipulate the stock market on Sunday before it opens on Monday. And Make some crazy big announcement over the weekend that just pumps all the stocks up and then you can't get out of your short position. So we have these short squeezes that seem to be happening every Friday. They may be happening a little earlier now. So we, Dave, Jordan, we were heavily trading weekends a few weeks ago and we've transitioned into more of as we get into Fridays, we try to be more market neutral because we don't want to play in all that. We don't know how it's going to play out. We don't want to get stuck on the wrong side of that trade. And so for me, at least, I'm chilling out a little bit on Fridays and just taking more of a kind of neutral kind of stance on the market to where I can sleep through the weekend. I'm mostly hedged on my account, either fully hedged or mostly hedged but I'm not taking a super long position or a super short position going into the weekend because it's just, there's too many things that could happen over the week. And I'm trying to get that position on by Thursday afternoon or Friday morning at the latest, right? I don't, I don't want to wait till Friday midday because by then these things, the market starts to move very quickly. Like you guys have seen the last, last week, it just starts moving quick in that direction. Oh, by the way, on the quarantining, guys, we have gotten so good that like me and my wife have a system to where it's like when we get deliveries, we get deliveries like three times a day between uh, Instacart and Amazon Target where I get my gloves on. Right. <clears throat> she opens the door for me. I'm, I'm unboxing, taking products, putting into quarantine one day one. 
Uh, and then she's, I'm not touching the door. Then I take the boxes to the garage because it can live on cardboard for 24 hours and plastic for three days, right? So then, then everything moves from quarantine one to quarantine two to quarantine three to then it eventually moves into our kitchen where I will then wash it. I will wash the plastic with warm water. And so, I mean, we're, we're insane. But hey, it, it, we have an immunocompromised person in our house and we just don't want to take any chances. So, so that's why we're being as stringent as we are. Have fun with it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like what are you going to do? Uh, anyway, by the way, I'm seeing some traders out there that are friends of mine. And uh, Leon, if you're watching, you put a face. Leon put a Facebook post or an Instagram post at one of his put trades. Uh, so I assume Leon, you're okay with me talking about it since it was on your Instagram. But it was like, it was like a put on the uh, SPY, uh, but the strike price was so low. It was like 200 strike price. Not to say it's not possible. It's certainly. <laughs> possible but a lot of these crypto traders like leon is like a massive crypto he's been trading crypto for two years like heavily right so so a lot of these crypto traders are used to making trades that are like way out of the money and like i just understand guys if if you put a trade on that's that out of the money your chance of like especially with the premiums premiums are so high because of volatility right now your chance of losing that money is like 98%. So just know when you do that stuff, it's like a 98%. And me and Dave, I want to get to the second half of the show I'm really excited about, guys, because we are going to talk about, I can't wait to talk about this. We are preparing our mind for the ultimate, the ultimate bottom trade, right? <laughs> this is when we feel, and, and listen, who knows? Maybe the market's already hit bottom. We don't know. But we feel like the market hasn't hit bottom. It probably yeah. will hit bottom potentially in the next few days to couple few weeks, okay? And when it hits that bottom of like sheer panic, um, which unfortunately is probably going to coincide with massive sickness here in the United States, sheer panic. The country goes into lockdown. Guys, do you think, Jordan, do you think that I think there's still a pretty good chance that the administration is going to put us under a full national lockdown. Do you think that's still a possibility? I just think, yeah, I mean, right now New York's kind of, um, you know, the furthest ahead on this whole thing. And I think um, if it really deteriorates there further than it already has, I could I could see something like that happening. Yeah, and I think just from a kind of psychological standpoint, we're going to see these numbers going up because the testing is finally happening. So we're going to continue to see these giant jumps in number of positive cases where we've had the positive cases and people have been spreading it, but they just haven't been tested. So um, I think psychologically that's going to play into um, a little bit of a panic. Yeah, so... I, I mean, so if we get that situation, guys, if we get, I, if we get a national lockdown, if we get troops on the street, right, that for both food distribution, uh, getting people to hospitals when they need to be brought to hospitals securely, uh, and also controlling kids from roaming the streets and stuff, and, and safety, don't you think, and the market starts to spiral when we start to see that our rates are exceeding Italy and China and, and they're way worse than maybe what any other country has been, and that we could be shut down for maybe months. I mean, there's going to be a point of sheer panic, capitulation, 
maybe Leon is right and we get close to 200 in the SSPY. Um, he's, he's saying that he has gains on these way, way non-existent out-of-the-money options. Well, he's probably how's had that possible with the, with the bid spread ask. No, he could have. He could have because we've dropped 33%, 34%. But what I'm saying is he's now – for him to you to make op money off those two hundreds, wh where's the SPI? Why right now it's at two what fifty two thirty forty? Um, yeah, two forty one. Okay, so you're basically saying that we need with the premium you're paying on those probably another twenty five percent drop from here, which is totally doable. That could happen, but just know a twenty five percent drop by here, while doable, is a real it's a reach. Okay, it's a reach. Like it, 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 it's it's a worst case scenario kind of right. So just know that when you make that trade, that is like you're trading like doomsday worst case scenario, which absolutely can happen. But you know you got to assume that it's probably somewhat less than seventy or eighty percent or ninety percent of happening. So yeah, but he, he's buying them. He's buying them everywhere. So he he has the two forties, the two fifties. Um, the fact oh. that he has the two hundreds, maybe he knows what he's doing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Hey, listen. I will give him credit. Me and me and Jordan both. I remember. Remember that night I texted you Leon's uh, Facebook post when he bought like uh, the five hundred or the six hundred and fifty dollar call options for Tesla, and Tesla was trading at like three eighty. And I was like, dude, what is Leon? Th Do I need to call Leon and talk some sense into him? It and then all Tesla three went up to all like three seven, eight hundred. Went to lunch with Leon, and he basically taught us everything we know about crypto. And then we lost it all. <laughs> I'm like, this is not crypto. Stocks don't since double. Yeah, <laughs> hundred billion dollar stocks don't double in a month randomly. Like, <laughs> and Tesla did. Okay, so anyway, so we could be wrong. But what I want to get at is we are prepared. Oh, listen. I have been preparing for this scenario for 32 years since I watched the stock market crash of 1987. I will never forget it as a kid. And I said, oh, my gosh, I, someday I'm going to make money off a of stock market. And I did in 2008. I mean, I, I called it like a third of the way down. I didn't have enough money then to really kill it. Now, with the gains I've made over the past three and a half weeks, for, for you viewers that are, are, haven't seen our last episode, um, we're really proud to say that since, uh, was it uh, February 20th or February 22nd or something like that, uh, our, our account or my account is up 27% or as of today, I think maybe 29% since since February 20th uh, with a gain of about 1.9 or almost $2 million in the last month just trading uh, this market short and trading all the travel stocks short. Uh, and and st all started with the short on win casinos, right? And so we timed this perfectly. It's very hard to do. Uh, call it a little bit of luck. I'm gonna I'm gonna say quite a bit of strategy and 32 years of planning and preparation. But we now have uh, excess funds to be able to take a real chance, a real shot at picking some bounce back stocks and going in heavy when the rest of the market is crapping their pants, potentially, in a week or two. And, and listen, we don't want that to happen, but it's we can't stop it from happening if it happens. And when it does happen, this is what we do. We're investors, right? We're traders. And so we are preparing ourselves for that moment. And right now, about I would say about 50% of our day is figuring out what stocks we should be shorting 
And 50% of our day is figuring out beyond our core portfolio, which we've already shared with you all in our last episode, beyond that, what are some stocks that we want to lever up in when that capitulation day happens, right? And if the SPY hits 220 or 215 or 210, or if Leon's right, 200 or less, like when when everyone else is freaking out, are we going to be prepared and what are we going to buy? And there's going to be call options. And Dave, we did some analysis the other day and realized yeah, and, that- and Actually, you know, we, we were talking about, we say 200 is crazy, but that is what Goldman has predicted as the bottom. And we have seen other people say as low as 1700. So I might actually buy some of these out of the money spy puts now that I feel like the market isn't going to shut down and I'll be able to uh, either sell out of these uh, put options or- take possession of a lot of spy? Well, let's just say this. The fact, first of all, I'm going to say Goldman's normally wrong on everything that they say. So, uh, but the fact- <laughs> Which is true. They, but the fact that they said it and then a few other big shops are throwing out numbers like that, it puts it into the mind of investors that it's an acceptable range to go down to if it gets bad, right? And so that's why I think we have a, the ability to go there. Not because Goldman said it, because again, they've made some ridiculous, outlandish calls in the past on energy and oil and the and, and they're so wrong. It's literally, it's actually, it's embarrassing. It's just, they should, embarrassing how wrong they've been in the past. So, but that said, it absolutely can go down to 200. No doubt about it. It can go lower. It can go to 180. So, what are we going to do when we feel in our gut then that it's so scary that like it's panic, it's chaos, it's margin call time, right? This is when people are crapping their butts, all right? Like, it, this is this is what are we prepared to buy? And so, what are those stocks that we think when if Tesla gets down to two hundred or two fifty, right? Um, are we going to go with the stocks that are at risk of bankruptcy or probably not, right? We're going to go with the stocks that we know will survive that are likely to be the ones that everybody is going to rush into, right? So what do you guys think those are? Well, and and this is what Chris and I were talking about yesterday. Um, I want to rush into the stocks that retail investors, the people watching this stream, the people who aren't uh, Wall Street guys. I think Tesla is a great one because everyone wants to be in Tesla and they've gotten such a discounted price now that it seems like a, a good that's going to be one that goes up faster than the rest. The Fang stocks, the, the Facebooks, the Amazon. Amazon's my favorite stock of all time. I'm buying more Amazon. I'm trying to find the best way to do that. As as Amazon kind of fluctuates and, and doesn't get hurt, I'm, I'm looking at maybe selling puts on Amazon so that essentially that's a long position where, where you are buying the stock. Um, but these are bounce, These are the ones where we're going to buy call options, right? And by the way, we decided yesterday that we're probably not going to get call options that are out of the money because we actually did the analysis on Tesla of what those options are going to look like. And if Tesla gets all the way back to 600 a share, 700 a share even, you don't even make that much more money buying the out-of-money ones that are like $300 out of the money than you do buying the at-the-money ones, right? So like because the volatility is so high, 
They are on, we, really- We couldn't see your hand, hand motions on that one. Ah, okay, so <laughs> if, if you're gonna do this with, uh, we're gonna do this with Tesla. We did some analysis and we said, okay, let's say Tesla drops to 250. Let's compare what the $250 call option would look like versus getting the $600 call option that expire in June, okay, for Tesla. And let's assume that Tesla goes up to $700, okay, $700 a share by June. What will those options be valued at? And what we came up with is that the $250 strike price Tesla options will make about five times our money. The $600 Tesla call options, strike price options, when it goes to $700, will make like seven and a half times our money. So yes, we'll make more money in those, but the risk of owning $600 calls versus $250 calls, I mean, if Tesla goes up to $350, we're making money on the $250 calls and we're getting wiped out on the $600 calls, right? So so we actually, and this is unconventional, normally we would never do this if we're thinking there's going to be that big of a move, but because the vol- of the volatility because of the excessive premium that's being charged for those out-of-the-money call options, we're actually just going to stick with at-the-money call options and probably buy Tesla. Two, if the Tesla's at 250, we'll buy the 250s. If Tesla's at 300 when the market capitulates, we'll buy the 300 options. And our goal, and it's unfortunate, but it's only like a 5X investment, which isn't that great, right? But still, we're going to put heavy money into this stuff in hopes that we could quickly make about 5x our money uh, on these snapback stocks at the point of capitulation. So, Jordan, what do you think? What, what's your favorite kind of snapback? Uh, I've got I've got two. Um, my best one's probably Disney. Um, <clears throat> dude, Disney, I totally it's agree already, with you. It's already so low. It's a great name that everybody loves. Um, you know, they've what? got some problems with their parks right now. Um and uh, sports, but uh, Wait, I mean, did, come roaring back. Did Disney get down to eighty? Is that 80, today? Eighty something. Is that a day chart day? Uh, this is a five day chart. Oh, okay, so that was okay. Oh, that was at that market dump. Here's, okay, here's a one month chart. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so, they they touched eighty intraday yesterday. Yeah. Oh boy, I should have bought more at eighty. <laughs> I should have got more me more Disney today. So okay, so Disney at capitulation, um, if it gets back to eighty or seventy or sixty or wherever it ends up being at capitulation, um, I totally agree with you because Disney's a stock that is going to have both institutions chasing it, but will also have a massive irrational retail trader chasing Disney stock uh, if and when. Let's can we talk about when? When things clear up, what we think that's going to be, I think the day that the virus starts to get significantly flattened out in Europe, right? Would you agree, guys? And it, like, if we start to see the Italian numbers significantly drop, don't you think I that? Think, yes, we've seen in China. Uh, actually, late yesterday for the first time, they had no new local infections. Um, and they're saying that once we see that for 14 consecutive days, we know that the outbreak is kind of considered to be truly over. Um, but if we start to look at that kind of as the timeline for 
does that does that happen in Italy? Then I think we have a, a pretty good chance of, of being able to mirror that here, and then we can just look at the at the calendar and figure out our timeline for those kind of things. Dave, you got to be way sooner though. I think the second you see a true flattening and deceleration, I've been saying this over and over of that of that of uh, transmission rate. Like Italy was at forty five hundred yesterday, right? When we see that number drop for two days in a row, three days in a row. Jordan, don't you think that's the inflection point that makes us realize that, okay, the worst of this whole thing, because Italy's kind of like us. If they can pull it off, we can pull it off, right? Yeah, I think so, right? Because once once that happens, then you can do the math on, you know, New York and the rest of the states and uh, figure out, okay, when are these states going to open back up? And by the way, uh, I don't know if this is – confirmed but the uh we've got a site that shows that italy cases for today 5322 what they're 53 yeah. gone up again oh that's not good by the way dave can you talk about our new channel this is so important if you don't switch to our new channel like asap like right this second we're, we might we might never air another Dumb Money Live on the old channel, Dumb Money. So yeah, we we're, we're get doing more over. and more of these live episodes. And so we really are trying to let YouTube know that the live audience needs to be on our live channel. And once we get back to doing startup investing, that will ha be happening over on our original channel. Although today, for the first time, it looks like we have more people on our live stream than on our yes. original stream. We have 179 <laughs> currently on the live channel. And 171 over on the um, on the original channel. Awesome! Thank you guys, guys for watching live. Thanks, Jack, for pointing that out to people in the chat. He's heading over to the new one. And if you Thank haven't you subscribed so much, to both channels, you should do that. Dumb money, you can get to on YouTube.com/slash Dumb Money. Dumb Money Live. The only way to it's one of those long. We haven't gotten a, a custom URL yet. So go to dumbmoney.tv slash live and that will redirect you to the right channel there on YouTube. And while you're at it, subscribe to Hey There Dave here. Can I just say something about my setup today? I know you showed a picture of this earlier, Dave. Um, yeah. This setup for, for a for a stand-up, a cat tree makes for the absolute greatest setup you have like all this built-in multi-layered shelving i have my phone on like the second shelf and my 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 tea and my drinks on this third shelf it's it is a cat tree is the ultimate setup for for filming these a stand-up i'm going to um, show that picture again because it's just too good not to show <laughs> i got i got my that, that looks like it's here. in the corner of your media um, room it is the quarter of my media room. It is like I never realized how good of a set. I would not even buy anything if I were to get a standalone setup. If my wife made me give back the cat tree, I'm going to buy another cat tree for this room just so I can have this setup. Um, it's awesome. Uh, Exxon has to be by. I hear a lot of people talking about uh, Exxon. Guys, listen. We know what we're good at, and we know where we don't have expertise. We do not have expertise when it comes to trading financials and energy stocks. So you will rarely hear us, even though we're out of Texas, and basically every single person we know is an energy trader or in the energy world. It's just not our thing. Uh, the right channel, uh, uh, is Curtis, Curtis Selix, 456 in the right channel? Dumb Money Live is the right channel, not Dumb Money uh, so if it's Dumb Money Live, that, that would be the right channel. Yeah, we can't. I don't think we can build it. We can't see. Okay. For anyone. 
So, um, all right, I, I want to talk. So, Jordan, you're in Disney. I love that. I, Jordan, I love that. I'm So, here's my thought. I'm not, I'm I'm not buying it right now. No, I am going. No, I'm the five stocks. Yeah. I'm going to do five stocks. I'm going to put $100,000 of equity options, call options, into each of those stocks at market bottom. So, I'm going to buy half a million dollars of call options at the point where I think we have hit market bottom. And if I'm wrong about market bottom and the market drops like 60% or 70% from the all-time highs, which is possible, I'm prepared to put in another half million dollars, okay? Or if the, if our expiration date of June becomes too soon and we get another leg down like in May, April or May, like I want to keep some reserves. So I'm basically earmarking $1 million to buy call equity options in five different stocks when we hit capitulation or when I feel we've hit capitulation. Half a million in the first chunk, and if I'm wrong and it gets even worse from there, half a million in the second chunk. And if I'm wrong on both of those, well, we're in deep trouble at that point. <laughs> if this market's going down like 80%, 90%, we're in deep trouble. So what I'm going to say, Tesla is one of those stocks. I'm stealing yours, Jordan. Disney is another one that I'm doing. I'm thinking I might do the SPY, the SPY, as another. Or should I do the QQQ? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do the SPY. Keep it simple. So that leaves two... Two open slots. Dave, what is your stock? What, what, which one are you doing? Did you say it already? Are you going with Tesla? Um, well, I'm, I'm definitely doing Tesla, and uh, I'm continuing to do as much as I can on Amazon. And I think my other might be uh, – it's going to be another FANG stock. It's going to be Apple or uh, one of those. Okay, you want to hear what my fourth one is? I'm going to go a little risky on my fourth one. Uh, I think my fourth one, I'm going to do win – Casinos, okay? Win casinos. And the reason why is because unlike some of these other binary, kind of binary bankrupt or government money stocks, I think that Win, and I've done a lot of research on Win over the past couple months, I think that Win has potential to survive without a massive a uh, uh, massive government funding bailout package, okay? I think Wynn could potentially just raise more private debt uh, from existing lenders or even raise money from China, okay? And uh, I, I think, so they were burning $3 million a day in Macau when they shut down those casinos. I'm going to assume that they're going to burn $3 million a day in the U.S. That's $6 million. Even at $6 million, that's $180 million a month. I think they can survive this because I think Macau is going to be pretty close to normal in the next couple of months, right? Two, three months. And, and I think the U.S. Vegas will follow. And I also think that when this does end, if it ends soon in the summer, Vegas is going to be off the chain. Off the chain, okay? So by, by like July, August, it's going to have a huge end of year uh, in Vegas. So I think Vegas is one of those places that like the U.S. is going to go celebrate hardcore the second half of this year if it recovers. So wins a little riskier, but win 
is a company that I think by buying those options, where is it right now, Dave? Wynn, can you pull a stock chart on for me? Wynn is, is down 62%. But but what, what's it trading at right this second? Is it, uh, let me, I'll pull it up right now on my phone. I'll give it to you one sec. So it's at 47 bucks. So it's, uh, you know, it's down. So it's 47 bucks. Yeah, 47.77. Wynn is a company that I actually think I can maybe get 10x my money on, on those options, okay? Uh, I might even be able to get 15x on a trade there. Um, so then the real question is, what is the fifth stock? Is Lulu. the fifth? Oh, Lulu. Oh, definitely Lulu, that's the fifth stock. So, okay, so I'm gonna add, I'm gonna add a little bonus stock then. So, I, all right, I agree with you. Jordan, you know that Lulu is like literally one of my favorite stocks. And it's gotten hammered. I know, <laughs> hammered, it's hammered. It's such a good stock. Yeah. So, all right, Lulu will be my fifth stock. Um, but I'm going to put their one-year chart. <clears throat> okay, so I'm going to put uh, 25k into a bonus trade, uh, and that bonus trade is going to be super high risk, like super high risk, um, and. The trade's only going to work out if we get like a super V recovery, right? And I think that trade is going to be, I don't know, it could be cruisers going to cruise. Could be, just maybe. And I know, listen, I'm going to make that trade knowing that there's like a 90% chance that that money is gone, wiped out. But at the point of capitulation, I could see... Royal Caribbean trading at $10 a share, okay? $10 a share. I could see it happening. Um, and if that happens, uh, or maybe I'll split it between like a Royal Caribbean and maybe like one of the hotel stocks, right? Like, because the hotel stocks will get, they'll be down to like 20, 20 bucks a share, 30 bucks a share, Hilton. I mean, excuse me, like like Marriott. Marriott. So maybe I'll split it between like a cruiser's going to cruise, Royal Caribbean, and maybe like a Marriott or a Hilton. So that's kind of so recap your five again. So you have you have Tesla. I have Tesla. I have Lulu. I have um, SPY. Okay, which is the index. I have um, Disney, and I have. Win casinos. I think those are the five stocks that I am going to pound into with call options. If it's a if if we get a massive capitulation washout market day, and it has to be done like right at that moment of the washout, like like before, like right when you see it bottoming out, which is so hard to do. So hard to time it. I don't know if I can time it. I'm going to try, right? Like, like, could you imagine if, like, we timed the top perfectly? I don't, one in a hundred year, like one in a, a billion chance of timing the top like we did. Could you imagine if we could time the bottom too? How, how great would that be if we just t are able to time the bottom? I'm going to assume that I'm not going to be able to time the bottom and none of this is going to work out. Right. Somehow, yeah. some way. You have to assume that because you yeah. can't get you, you don't get struck twice. No, no, you can't hit can't hit like can't get not, not can't find lightning twice. But maybe it's been a crazy few weeks. We gotta try, right? You gotta try. That's all I'm saying. You, you got hey, listen, 
a lot of this, guys, the reason why people can't pick the bottom is because they haven't really prepared their mind. They're not ready for it. They're not looking for the signals. They're not really understanding the scenarios that lead you to the bottom. I think a lot of technical traders are too focused on the technical analysis. Um, I'm less concerned about the technical analysis. I'm more concerned about scenario modeling events that I think could lead to the bottom. And when I see that scenario play out, right? When I and that's when I and, and if the market kind of syncs up with that scenario, how I think it's going to play out, that's when the bottom is going to hit. So again, for us. The bottom, I think, will be at peak panic in the United States. I think that's the bottom, is peak U.S. panic as it relates to a massive, unprecedented increase in uh, viral transmission. And I think, Dave, if you had to pick a day right now and you think that would happen, would it be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday mm -hmm. of next week? It, it kind of feels to me like it'd be next week, right? Or could it could come sooner? I, I think it's going to be later than that. I think it's going to continue to grow, and we're not going to see that peak for, for a week. Okay. Jordan? Yeah, I mean, uh, so I think that – I don't even know. I don't know. All right, think about that. If it, if it, I think it's going to happen either tomorrow or Monday if it happens. Okay, so all right, so Jordan's a little early. I'm in the middle. Dave, you're a little late. Uh, Crockett asked a question about Beyond Meat. Can we talk about that for a minute? I, I, I want to rip. I, I, listen, I have another buddy of mine uh, who's really into Beyond Meat, and I, I know there's a lot of traders who are loving it right now. I'll tell you why I'm not trading it. Uh, I, I was a big fan of Beyond Meat. Love Impossible Foods. Had had a three x return on my private investment in, in, in Impossible Foods. Um, that I'm now exit out of. Beyond Meat seems like they were the only one left on the shelf. Didn't you see a lot of pictures, like all the meat's gone? Yeah. Like, was that just a viral thing? It's taken out of context. I, I don't know. But Beyond Meat, I think, I feel like it's not, doesn't feel like a pan. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I'm sure it will do fine. I mean, I'm sure Beyond is going to bounce back fine. It could be one of those stocks like Tesla where it comes ripping back. Oh, cauliflower crops? Crockett, dude. We have been all over cauliflower, dude. Me and Jordan invested in a cauliflower pizza dough company called Outer Isle. Uh, have a massive investment in them. They're, they're not public. Uh, we love the cauliflower trade, but I don't think there's any public. There's no public cauliflower we trade. Could, yeah, probably. we couldn't find a good public company, and I didn't yeah. like your cauliflower pizza because that wasn't even – it was not even – it was disgusting, really. I don't, I don't know how you even I, eat that. I, have, you, hey. have you ever had it? Let me tell you, you just something. Going off of the Let one time you found it in the store. My my wife eats it and likes it. My mom, my mom eats it and likes it. I don't need to try it because I can guarantee you I'll hate it more than you hate it, Dave. But there are people that love that that like that pure kind of dry. I don't know. They like it. So, um, but listen, I don't know about Beyond. I'm not. A, I'm not like a Beyond. Beyond seems a little speculative because it's it's not like a core they don't have enough history in the market that you know you can count on them right yeah, when this thing speculative back. to begin with and now it as a rush to buy it you know when you've just seen the darkest days i, I don't think so
But but I I don't want to also act as if like we're, we're we really know what we're talking about when it comes to beyond and trading beyond because because yeah. we we really don't and and I'm sure that when the market comes back beyond is going to be just fine right and you know what I might even pick up some beyond today just to have it in my portfolio. There are certain stocks that I like Square. I picked up some Square today right. I, you like Square, Jordan? Don't isn't that one of the stocks that you like? Square. Mm. Not really. Um, I, I picked it up. I picked it up because you know, for me, Square is a generational cultural uh, shift uh, company. So well, it's that, but the biggest problem right now is that it's kind of a small business, um, heavy on their revenue, and so well, know, not being that, able to go to small businesses as much right now. That, that is very true, but that's also why the stock got cut in half, right? So, uh, so, so the reason why I like Square is because I think their stock is deservedly cut in half. Um, it should be cut in half, but I think if you believe this is going to end at some point, uh, yeah, which it you know, probably will, uh, I think Square is a company that likely trades pretty close to where it was before. Mm-hmm. It, it, it has a massive investment following, massive, massive investment following. Square was doing really good before all this, kind of like Lululemon, right? Like doing really well. So there's really no reason for Square not to kind of pick up where it left off when this is over. It's it's that simple. I'm not overthinking it. I'm not overthinking it. That's why I picked up some Square today. The one I like more than Square is Shopify, though. I think Shopify is going to be... It it will make it back. Here's both Square and Shopify on a chart. And Square is down more. Um, but I've, I've, I've been wanting to get into Shopify and, and I'm glad that I did at these new low prices. Oh, you know? Dave, I what, am what did I get? so it, I'm, I'm now, I just have like 500 shares. Um, I have some longer term calls that expire. Actually, I had some, I, I was shorting some, uh, some calls in Shopify that expired today. And I just sold those today and made 12%. Um, but I'm. I, I have some long calls and shares of Shopify and might buy some more. Okay. Uh, by the way, uh, and Justin Feldman will get to you, one of my very best friends. He's going to be on the show next week. By the way, next week, we are going to start featuring guests on the show, friends of ours, traders of ours. Uh, we'll even maybe put on some uh, subscribers at some point in the near future. Uh, but Justin, you'll be maybe our first guest on the show. He's been asking me for weeks now. Uh, but before we get to your question about uh, restoration of hardware, uh, let's talk about Shopify. Dave, I am so happy that you're in back in Shopify because you sold out a while back and I stayed in. I did. I did. And I, don't, I, I should have never done it, but I'm so glad to be back in. And, I'm, I, you know, it, it takes a major <laughs> recession, I guess, for me to be able to get back into these things. I love Shopify. Shopify is I don't love it as much as I love Amazon, my number one holding like you, but I love it so much and I love talking about it and I love celebrating my gains in Shopify. And now I have someone to celebrate. Jordan, please tell me you got in Shopify. If you haven't, can you buy in right this second? You've got to see this. Good. Please please just take a position, take a base position in Shopify right now because like this thing is Shopify. That story is is not over. It's it's going to keep going and going. I think at least. So, hey, thanks, Jamie Lopez. Appreciate the uh, 
the enthusiasm there. Okay, so Justin Feldman. I I, I talk to Justin almost every day. Uh, we went to college with him. Uh, one of our best friends. He ran a casino in his dorm room at our fraternity at SMU here in Dallas. Uh, he literally ran a casino every every night of the week. Uh, he I'm likes to sure gamble. That's what he wants to be known for. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he, uh, he, lo- he loves risk. Justin is willing to take on risk, right? Anyway, he loves restoration hardware. So what, let's talk about restoration hardware. Have you guys been to the store in New York, by the way, restoration hardware? I haven't been there, but I've been to one um, one of their other giant flagships. They're, they're, and they're building one here in Dallas, too. Yeah, they have well, a let giant me tell you something. Let me, okay, so let me tell you about restoration hardware. I love restoration hardware. Have never owned it as a stock. Why? Because I thought the stock has always gotten ahead of itself. I thought it was way too expensive. And you know what? I might pick some up some restoration hardware here just as, as to build, put it in my core position because I, I don't really like any of that space with the exception of restoration hardware because what restoration hardware has done such an amazing job <clears throat> changing the game. Because basically what's happening is furniture businesses are basically going out of business everywhere. No one's shopping for furniture at a furniture store, right? Restoration hardware is like, we're going to go in the opposite direction and literally build the most amazing furniture store you could ever dream of. That store in Soho, you don't go there to to shop for furniture. You go there to take business meetings and to hang out and to do brunch every Saturday and Sunday, okay? That's why you go there, because it's the coolest place, not Soho, I'm sorry, it's in the meatpacking district. Uh, You go there because it's the coolest place in lower Manhattan just to go hang out. And what do you do when you get there? They have a coffee shop, they have a rooftop restaurant, you're you're hanging out, the, the furniture is displayed in such a beautiful way that they're embedding that brand in your head so that when you're ready to go buy something, Let's go. You just that's an excuse to go to back to restoration hardware and hang out for half a day. I love the company. So I think I just might open up for the first time ever because Justin's been harping at me at this. And I agree with him. It's an amazing. I'm going to open up a position restoration at 86. I, I didn't like it at 250. I didn't like it at 150, quite honestly, or even at 120 or 100 bucks. 86 starting to look pretty good, though. I'll buy some right now. How about you guys? What do you think about the company? I agree, and I'm going to buy some right now, too. All right. Uh, too many browsers open on that, so I'm going to have to do it over here. I'm going to get my order in before you get yours in, Dave. Nope, it's erased. Ah! How many shares are you buying? Uh, what is it, 86? I, honestly, I'm just going to get 1,000 shares. I'm not going to do anything crazy, but I'm just going to get 1,000 right. shares. I, I just I don't want to hear about... I don't want to hear about Justin telling me about how it's how it's doubled six months from now, and I can be like, I know, I I got a thousand shares, I doubled. All right, I'm in. I got my thousand. Um, Jordan, you you care about restoration hardware? Just can't get excited about <clears throat> the furniture business right now. I just, I it, it doesn't even it doesn't even compute to to, to go that way. Um, so many people like literally uh, <laughs> their work. <laughs> Well, that's why it's down 70%. I know. <laughs> it's not about getting excited about it now. The question you have to ask yourself is, could I get excited about it a year from now? And if you're going to say, yeah, it's exciting, but I don't want to spend 200 a share for it.
but I could have bought it last year when I wasn't excited for 86. So, I mean, listen, we're fortunate to have cash yeah. to be able yeah. to buy yeah. these things you know? at this level. So, um, uh, you know, Justin's right. Berkshire has a large investment in it. Um, Berkshire loves the company. I could actually see Berkshire maybe buying it someday. Uh, Berkshire understands how hard it is to run a, a, a first-class uh, furniture business. They have, what, the largest furniture store in the world. Now, have you been to, up to that place in, in North Texas? What's it called? I will not go. Uh, it's called Nebraska Furniture Mart. Nebraska Furniture Mart is the literally – it is like as large as a stadium. Probably bigger than a stadium. It is the opposite of anything that I would ever like to do. I love restoration hardware. That place gave me like nightmares. I totally agree. But what's interesting about it is it's the complete opposite of Nebraska Furniture Mart. And, and Berkshire understands the furniture business. And at some point, they might want to play a barbell. Like, they have the low end. How about the high end, right? And so, like, yeah. I could totally see them acquiring the company. Absolutely. So that provides some, let's call it some kind of a, down, a, a floor on the business to some extent. Uh, all right. What else we got today, guys? Um, hey, what do we still love our Teladoc? I still love my Teladoc. How about Zoom? I still Teladoc. love Zoom. What we both we both bought it right as the president was uh, announcing uh, telehealth being a thing. Uh, so I bought mine at 125. It was at 140 earlier when I checked. Um, 137. Yeah. It's at yep. 137 now. <laughs> hey, can I talk about uh, something about Amazon? My biggest trade of the week. You know, we. we I, you know, we're talking about all these stocks. Amazon is actually my biggest trade this week. I tripled down on Amazon. I don't triple that. So basically, every, I have a 1,000 shares of Amazon. I've had them for, I don't know, six years, five, six years, uh, seven years now. And um, I doubled down on my Amazon position by buying call options. I had the 1,700 call options. I bought 10 of those options. I've been doing that for a few, uh, you know, a couple weeks now, a few weeks now. So and I buy the weeklies. This week I doubled down on that position. So I now own twenty of the Amazon seventeen hundred dollar call options expiring not this Friday but next Friday. Um, so I have a tremendous amount of Amazon, and I just heard that internet traffic, broadband traffic, was going up. I don't know if this is possible. I don't know how this is possible. 30% a day for the last five days, four or five days? Is that possible? Well, as more people are working from home and commuting or like doing doing video conferences like us, I mean, I've been using yeah. way more bandwidth yeah. than usual. I don't, VPNs or whatever it is, yeah. I mean, if that's possible, I mean, Jordan, I mean, this is literally your world. I mean, no one understands this better than Jordan does. Jordan has built multiple... Uh, high scaling businesses on the backbone of AWS. He, uh, you know, our last business ticker tags, the business before that, eCarless. Jordan has built some of the largest data businesses on AWS. Jordan, their servers over at Amazon, they got to be smoking right now, right? Well, so most, I mean, all these companies like Zoom or any of these people that are hosting on AWS, they, they just have auto scaling, right? And so as they get more traffic, their Amazon bill is just going to go up and up and up. Uh, you know, to handle all that demand. And so you could see AWS, um, you know, bill out a little bit more this quarter because of this whole thing. 
Um, <laughs> and I, I hate that I didn't get in. I was looking at it. You see my little notation on the uh, thing here at 1700. I, I kept thinking it would get back to there this day that it, we had a big update, but it, we just never did it. So I was sitting on the sidelines hoping to get some at 1700. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mess around with Amazon, man. I, I just, I, I got, I got, it's the one stock that I can't sleep at night if I feel I don't have enough of it. And I always want more of it, right? And so like, man, this is just, this is like the perfect storm. Their grocery business is selling everything. They can't, they're hiring 100,000 workers, right? They yeah. can't keep up. They can't keep up. Their AWS business has got to be breaking breaking records left and right. And of course, the streaming business, Amazon Prime is probably adding some additional subscribers there as well, which I don't really care about that much. But I, I, I'm just, I love Amazon so much right now. I cannot own enough of it. I just can't get enough of it. Um, and if it drops more in the capitulation event, I'm, believe me, I'm adding more Amazon as well. So yeah, I, I just don't see any reason for it to drop because well, yeah. we're, we're all staying at home. We're now even more, de you know, deliberately needing an Amazon to deliver stuff to us every day. Okay, Dave. I got, I got in the habit of buying everything on Amazon four years ago. Um, I think that this is going to be one of those moments where more people try well you know I, I could run to the store and buy batteries but no i need to i need them and i don't <laughs> go anywhere i'm just going to have them delivered although amazon is apparently not restocking or not in their warehouses they're not taking non-essential items right now so they can make make room for uh essential uh, coronavirus that's fine stuff which is which is absolutely great um yeah. but i think that there is a good opportunity for people who have not really tried the Amazon lifestyle. Like Chris, I know you probably have a, a seven boxes a week. I probably have at least that. We're we're active customers. And I think more people are trying it for the first time as kind of a lifestyle. And once once you get used to how easy it is to get stuff by Amazon, you're you're really never going to go to a store again. Yeah, we do subscribe and save for things like paper towels and toilet paper and stuff. So it just shows up once a month. Nice. So let's hey. talk about other retailers, though, because I feel like Amazon is the winner out of all of this. But we we have pretty much every other store in America closed. Um, we have Simon Properties, the largest shopping mall in the world. You know, owner of shopping malls, they they closed all of their malls. Um, that was after their tenants like Macy's, J.C. Penney, Nordstrom, uh, Gap, Victoria's Secret, Sephora. They all closed stores. So are retailers going to be able to weather this storm? And is that the kind of thing that the government's going to give money to? I don't I don't think they're going to give them as much money as they need. I think it depends on the retailer, how much cash do they have on hand, how much are they burning a month. Like I said, you just got to go through that. I, I can't do this exercise for 50 companies a day is the problem. Yeah. And so I've been focusing on the ones that I think might be hurt the worst. Retailers... Uh, unlike some of these travel companies and entertainment companies and restaurant companies, they have e-commerce businesses that have become a substantial part of what they do. I'm not going to say it's going to save them. I'm just saying that companies like The Gap and all these retailers, at least they now have an e-commerce business to, to kind of support, support them through this time. Whereas the companies I'm looking at, like Dave & Buster's, they're literally doing zero revenue, probably, right? Close to zero revenue. Um, companies like Yelp, 
have got to be losing 80, 90% of their revenue, I, I would imagine, right? So, and I could be wrong, but I, I think it could get that bad. So that's why I'm focusing on them versus re retailers. But Dave, I don't know. We can run the numbers. I, you just got to look at which retailer because it's not, they're not all created equal, right? Yeah, no, I agree. And just, Justin was asking about our, uh, my options, I have, I do have Amazon options. Uh, they have earnings coming out on the 23rd and I do have options that expire on the 24th. Um, I got them a while ago uh, and Amazon's been going up and down. I have the 1800 strike price. They're up 33% right now um, from when I bought them. But um, I, I'm really looking forward to what Amazon has to say uh, about this quarter, about anything they can say forward looking about future quarters and how this is impacting them worldwide. Um, Justin did also note here that someone in Amazon, we really need to get Justin on the show. And Justin, by the way, I did see your text. It was late last night when I realized that I hadn't responded to you. Um, but yes, we, we definitely need to get you on the show. Um, can I tell, uh, first of all, can, I, can we respond at 1238? Uh, asked two questions. Uh, I'll let you answer one of them, Dave, because it's, you know, you love the, you love those leveraged ETFs at twelve thirty eight. Twelve thirty eight. Uh, okay. Is Sanula Rasul? Would you guys consider long leverage ETFs once the market bottoms out? Uh, SPXL and TQQQ. So just so you know, uh, you know, we have traded them in the past days and trading them. We stopped trading them because of this concern that the market would shut down. So uh, and that could impact these derivatives because they're so short term. They, they're such short term derivatives that if they can't get access to the markets. It could cause a huge discrepancy. But Dave, what, what, what do you think about those instead of getting the? That's right. I, I actually, you know, when you try to trade a leveraged ETF, like the uh, one that I was in was uh, <laughs> UPRO, that is the triple leveraged S&P 500 uh, index fund. And when you try to trade it, there's all kinds of warnings on the screen. This is not for, it, you know, normal traders. Be careful, all these things. Um I actually bought and held a, a triple leveraged uh, S&P 500 fund for way longer than you're supposed to. And How did long? Quite How long? Well with it. Um, six months. Okay. And oh. did very well. As this market was going down, it was going down so fast that even though I, I hate having to sell it because I, was, I had a lot of profits and am going to have to pay taxes on it, I actually did close out all of my triple leveraged uh, S&P UPRO uh, shares. I plan to get back in them. Um, and I'm not sure. Ex it, it's probably how Chris is playing this capitulation event with his five stocks. That is something that I will be getting back into. Um, it's not for everyone. It is definitely risky, but uh, it is, it, it, and it is with money that, I'm okay losing. So it's one of those things. Oh, it looks like Jordan dropped off and he's back. So let's put him back on. You, you just have to be careful because in a capitulation style event, those things are getting hammered so hard. There's all kinds of, you know, there's derivatives inside, wrapped inside of the fund. And if they're not managing them correctly, when they get below a certain threshold, they have to actually shut the fund down. Yeah. We're talking about making trades at a point in time when we're worried about them shutting the stock market down for a week. Okay. Like, like, and that's like reasons I got out of them because of that. And, and that's why we got rid of all of our options at the time. I think 
I have more confidence that the stock market is going to remain open and they're not going to artificially close it down so that the, you know, I, I, we've, we've heard multiple people, the, the Fed chairman and the president saying that we're going to keep the market open. So I'm, I'm more confident about that now, but anything could happen. In a capitulation event, if it gets really bad, and we're talking about this going down to 210 for the SBY, 200 or lower, I mean, and, and, and we're talking about tens of thousands of people sick in this country, hospitals getting overrun, closing down. I mean, it can get so crazy, guys. Remember, in a black swan event, you must expect the unexpected. You have to prepare your mind for all theoretical outcomes. You have to model every scenario. And one of the scenarios that we're modeling in that when that capitulation happens is that it is mass chaos in America to the point where people just like, we got to shut everything down, even for a few days or a week or whatever it is. And we just don't know how to, we actually don't know how to deal with this. We don't even want, we do not want anyone doing anything, right? And so in that type of an event, it is very possible they can shut the market down, even though right now they're saying, we don't believe in doing that. We want to keep it open. So I think the triple leverage ETF is a really risky thing to be in, in that type of a situation, and which is why I wouldn't trade it there. So I'm going to trade it. Follow-up question is uh, about the triple leveraged inverse, which uh, you and I were both looking at as something to use as a hedge, but we decided against it just Same because reason. it is so risky that, you know, th there's the possibility that it's not going to keep up with its, uh, you know, it's being an inverse of the actual index. So we, we skipped that one and went with the actual SPY. Yes, yes. And also we could. Theoretically, it is also a derivative product. It theoretically could also not mirror the actual S&P 500. Aren't you supposed to get out of those every day? Isn't that what they recommend? Not uh, you're not, yeah, they recommend you don't hold them overnight. Yeah. yeah. So for, I was holding for that it for six months. And that, that and kind I of makes Don't do as I say. Yeah. Um, his next question, though, I thought was, was valid, uh, is why you guys so hyped on shop? We, we got excited about it, but didn't really explain ourselves. Um, you know, for anyone that's not familiar with Shopify, uh, it is it is the heart of all e-commerce globally. I mean, Shopify is the heart of e-commerce. So, like, we love Amazon. Everything that's not Amazon is Shopify. Not everything, every, obviously. Every company that you've, that you've seen is all on Shopify. Yeah, a lot of them, right? So, like, they pretty much, like, dominate e-commerce globally. So, if you believe that e-commerce globally, who, how can you not, is going to continue to just grow and grow and grow the next few years, for us, Shopify is a core holding. That's all. It's just a core holding. So um, just like I believe that, uh, you know, electronic signature as well as electronic uh, warehousing of documents, meaning I don't believe there will be documents in the future. And I think every enterprise, uh, no paper documents, every enterprise company in the world will have a system for warehousing all e-documents, including employee agreements, every single sales contract. Uh, every contract known to mankind, it's not just about signing it electronically. That's very simple. What DocuSign is doing is they are actually spending massive amounts of money to build the architecture 
to actually support the warehousing and indexing of billions of documents if you're an enterprise-style company. And so that's why DocuSign, for, and it hasn't even dropped that much here. It's amazing. Really but that's why DocuSign is like one of my favorite core holdings. And if I wish it would have dropped more, because I would have loved to double down on DocuSign. If it would just drop, go go down. I should have gotten some there at, 60, at what, 65, it looks like. I should have doubled yeah, down. 64-ish. But even then, uh, it, like it didn't drop that much, right? Like it wasn't even down that much. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I know the answer to this, Chris. But uh, are you doing any strangle option strategies? Never. I, I don't mess with any of that, guys. Listen, you know, I've been trading options, no joke, since I was 13 years old. I'm 45. Um, I've experimented with every type of option. It's noise. For the most part, all that stuff is noise. Uh, once you start getting into complex mechanics of trading, you're spending, in my opinion, I'm then spending too much time on things that just don't matter. I want to spend all of my time trying to get an information edge. I want to spend 95% of my time trying to get an information edge. And I don't want to spend any time messing with complex you know, complex derivative plays. And listen, I go long on options, long calls, long puts. I keep it simple. I'm normally trading them right at the strike, usually a little bit in the money uh, to, to at the money every time. I keep it really simple. I don't spend hours on edge figuring out all these complex option strategies. When I If I don't believe in something enough to go long a call or long a put, then I shouldn't be trading it. Everyone's like, but I want to hedge it. I want to hedge my position. I'm like, if I'm not believing it enough, I don't even do it. I don't trade an option unless I want leverage. And if I want that leverage, I'm willing to live with the loss. Because every time I buy into an option, I'm totally prepared to lose 100% of my money. And I do quite often. Um, and it doesn't matter because I'm trading into my insight. I'm trading into my edge. And, and and that's the way I that's just the way I see it. Uh, let's see, guys. What else we got? Plastic. Howard Lindzen likes it. It's a, another cloud company. Oh, what what company? Elastic. Um, Elastic. So, oh, Elastic Search. Uh, I'm going to defer that uh, to Jordan. Uh, you know, Howard Lindzen is a friend of mine. Uh, I'm an investor in Stock Twits. Um, you know, Howard is a very kind, he invested in the company that me and Jordan started and he's, he's been, he's been just an amazing, he's one of my favorite people to follow in the market. Dave, you know, Howard too. We all follow him on Twitter. What a fun, joyous account, but Jordan, that's your world. What, what do you think? Yeah. So I love Elastic as a uh, search platform. Um, you know, we used it at Tigger Tags. Um, we've used it at every startup that we've been involved with, um, Unbeknownst probably to Chris, it's uh, behind the scenes. But uh, uh, yeah, if you are a startup um, or even a large company now, if, if you need any way to search or index documents or even do um, um, any sort of GIS type uh, search or if you're doing um, uh, logs, like um, you can import all your, you can stream log data into Elasticsearch. It's fantastic. Unfortunately, I don't know their business model. I haven't looked into them. Uh, yeah, you've never been hyped on them as a stock, really, that right. much. Well, it's, 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 a, it's free software, right? So anybody can download, use it, install it on their servers. You, it runs on Amazon, AWS, 
Um, and it might, I don't know how much barrier entry there is, how much price price uh, protection they have on that type of product either. I don't listen. I yeah. the, the thing that the thing that we always promise is if we don't know, we're going to say, you know, unlike CNBC, when we don't know, we don't know. We just say we don't know. Like I like I have no freaking idea. I have no freaking idea. And yeah. Jordan is the same way, and Dave is the same way. Like he, we'll tell you what we know, but we don't know about something we're not going to make up. Like we know what we're talking about. Um, yeah, big outdoor retail. So Adobe is another one similar to DocuSign that that is a substant, you know, strong company. They they do way more than just documents. They yeah. they power all kinds of creative software and not yeah they're. Um, so we have you, another question about one of your favorite stocks, uh, Chris, that has really been uh, destroyed, Crocs. Oh yeah, Crocs. Uh, yeah, why not Crocs? No, I listen. Uh, look Crocs at that! Look at that! Oh uh, wow! Look at that chart. Eleven forty-five. Oh so that's fascinating. I actually had no idea that because I, you know, here's the funny thing: I wasn't even looking at Crocs the last few weeks. Crocs at eleven bucks. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, guys. I'm gonna. I know a lot about this company. I've been trading them actively for years. The one thing I have not done with Crocs is look at their balance sheet. Um, so I have no idea how financially stable the company is. I'll tell you what I will do. I will look at Crocs before our next show. I'll come back and I'll be prepared to talk about them because if their balance sheet is is reasonably strong and they're not. A bankruptcy risk? I would love to own me more Crocs at eleven bucks a share. I mean, what a strong! When this thing comes back, Crocs will be back. But I think nobody kind of wants to own Crocs in a pandemic. It's not, you know, nobody's buying Crocs right now, right? Their sales have got to be to zero, right? No, all you need now is house slippers. You don't. Yeah. You definitely don't need Crocs. Yeah, I'm gonna, let's see how far Crocs falls in capitulation. I mean, if Crocs has a strong balance sheet. I don't know if it does, and it falls to five bucks or four bucks or six bucks. I mean, I might just jump on, on a whole lot of Crocs uh, just because what a great – I mean, that company had everything going for it right before this whole crash. Um, by the way, gun stocks. Someone's asking about gun stocks here a couple minutes ago I saw. And uh, Jamie uh, Lopez, 104. Oh, and yeah, you're right, running grab it, 04. So – uh, gun stocks, there actually are actual gun stocks. There's uh, Smith & Wesson, uh, which is not called Smith & Wesson anymore. I think it's called Outdoor Brands. I used to trade it all the time. Uh, I thought about it. I thought about buying uh, Outdoor Brands, but then I decided not to because uh, here's the thing about guns, guys. You cannot buy a gun from any gun store and have it mailed to you. You need to go pick it up in person from either that store or from a registered uh, gun dealer. So you have to have the background check and all that stuff. So you can't do it. The gun sales are through the roof right now. But as soon as we go into lockdown uh, and we're pretty much there and these stores are forced to close, I don't know how many of them are, are closed already. Quite honestly, they might already be closed. I don't care how badly you want a gun. If you want a gun, you're buying it from a, a secondary Prop, uh, uh, owner uh, like a, a private transaction and going to some rando person to pick it up and that's not really benefiting Smith and Wesson uh, at all and there's another gun company uh, that's out there as well they make all the ammo I forget what they're called they're publicly traded but I just don't like it I, I don't like it now ammo I would go with the one that owns all the ammo companies though because you can 
actually order ammo through the mail. I have, I ordered from Ammunition Depot for my nine millimeter and they said they shipped it on Saturday. I still haven't gotten my ammo yet, but if I were going to invest in a, in a gun play, it would be the ammo. It's the, I wish I had the name of the stock. It's the, it's a company that owns a whole bunch of ammo uh, suppliers. Like, uh, God, I don't know the names of these guys. And, and listen, but I'm not buying either of them because I think it's a temporary little pop. And I think as soon as this thing clears up, they probably come right back down. And I have no interest in that. There's enough and companies. And if it doesn't clear up, I'm coming to your house because I know that you have uh, been locked down for weeks and you can keep me safe because you have a gun. Yes. You announce yourself first so that he knows you're coming over. Yes. Well, exactly. no, well, <laughs> you don't realize how the three of us, this is pretty much normal, us being on a, on a phone call together. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, I, yeah, I, listen, I, there's too many stocks that are gonna, going to thrive when this is over that I want to buy. I, I don't want to buy, like the ones that I, if you want to buy, like the stocks that we're buying that are good during a pandemic, I'm buying the ones that are also good after the pandemic, like TDOC, right? TDOC is good now. It's like tele, teledoctors. But don't you think this is the start of something bigger for TDOC after this, right? And, and so same thing with Zoom. Believe me, enterprise companies, I don't think, are going to contract with Zoom just for the pandemic and then be like, we're done. They're like, absolutely not. They're going to get into this whole thing and people are going to get accustomed to it and they're going to continue yeah, once, doing it. Once you try it, it's kind of like Amazon Prime. Once you try it, you're, you're a customer for life. I, I can't imagine Zoom users saying, you know what I like better is sitting in a conference room with 30 people. That, that was so much more productive. Let's have these uh, little one-off meetings. Zoom is free. I, you know, the, the question there is how many of their uh, people who are using these free trials convert to paid users? Same thing with, with Stripe. That was another one, or not uh, Slack. Um, you know, it's, it's free up to, you know, unlimited messages. They only archive, you know, 10,000 of them or something like that. But how many, how many customers go from the free trial because we have to do something to be able to still work while we're at home to paying customers where the where the company buys an enterprise account? Yeah. Uh, and by the way, guys, uh, uh, Crockett, yeah, Dave's on Schwab. Oh, you're on Schwab, right, Dave? Or you're on TD? Yeah. Schwab? Are you Schwab? Oh, yeah. I'm on TD. Dave's on Schwab. Uh, AMD. I own AMD. It's just one of these momentum stocks. Why not? I, I got some AMD. I don't. I, I'd be lying if I told you I, I was really uh, had you know an edge when it came to my AMD stock pick. Uh, I, I don't. Uh, drive through. We already addressed drive through. Actually, to answer Crock, I just looked up his question. The interface that I'm showing is not actually Schwab. That is. Uh, that is a service that I found called TradingView, which was the best one that gave me kind of a full screen chart that I could share. And they let me customize it with our own brand color. So uh, you see ads pop up because I haven't paid for it. But maybe I'll become a converted user. Maybe I, I'll turn into a paid customer of this TradingView. Yeah. So you guys okay. remember that remember that these gun companies like Vista Outdoors, they're diversified now. Like they're super scared about only selling guns, right? So they spent the last four years diversifying themselves into all these other outdoor products. And all that's going to zero right now for the most part, right? Because they're sold at like Cabela's and Dick's Sporting Goods and all those places are closing down. So I just, there's too many things going on. I'm not investing in Vista Outdoors, uh, Smith & Wesson. Even, even the ammo players, 
you know, how much, you know, how much longer those stores going to stay open? I mean, how much ammo are they really going to sell? And then people going to sell it off when things get better. I'm just not, I'm not interested in it. Um, let's see. 5G stocks. You got Qualcomm. Uh, so I, yeah, yeah. I bought it's Qualcomm for the right first now, time. I think. Uh, so it's down 20 bucks. Um, and there's really no reason that, uh, their work shouldn't go through, right? So I, I you know what? I, I agree. Like Qualcomm, I think, is one of those companies that is not benefiting from the pandemic by any means and probably getting hurt in terms of, uh, you know, de- demand maybe getting pushed back from the whole world getting rocked. But certainly Qualcomm is such a solid company. I, I, I've been wanting to have it in my portfolio for a while, and I just was not willing to pay the price it's been trading at. And I've added it for the first time ever about uh, a week ago, right? It was like a week ago when I added Qualcomm. So, yeah, well, why not? I mean, like, it's not a top pick of mine, but a 5G is important. I haven't done a lot of work on some of these other 5G plays, though, Dave. So let's this week, maybe we'll spend some more time looking at SKWS and, uh, you know, Cisco, uh, AMT, CCI. Uh, We'll take a look at some of them. It's... I love 5G, guys. I think 5G is going to be huge, but the best way to play 5G, you know what it is. What is it? Best way to play 5G? Apple. Uh, There's really no better way to play 5G than Apple, guys. So uh, Apple's my 5G play, and I have yet to add Apple. Have you guys added Apple? No, I've been I've been I've been watching. It's hanging around around two forty, two fifty. It's high, decent price. It's decent. Held up. I already have a lot of Apple. I probably should have watched it a little more closely, but it's it's in my top holdings. If if we get a capitulation, I might add some. Just you know, I won't do. I I won't play options in Apple, but I'm I I, I might just add some add some shares. Uh, Fidel Crockett says Fidelity Stone Age. Uh, a little flashback story. Uh, when I first started trading, um, and I was I was a kid trading on my older brother's uh, uh, broker's account, and eventually I got my own. But I would go to the Fidelity Investment Office uh, by my house and actually trade on. It had a computer set up in the front of the office where it was the first ever online trading station. But you couldn't. There was no home. There were no computers back. You had to go to the their office, and they had a computer you can trade on. <laughs> from their office and I would sit there all day as a kid they're like what the hell is this kid doing out front I was trading and then the other way I would trade they had something called touch tone trading and touch tone trading was amazing you would get on your phone or a pay phone I did this in college and you I would go to the basement of SMU here in Dallas uh, I would literally leave class to, to place trades and you touch tone trade option sig- uh, option symbols and you'd put in your limit price, the symbol, and then it would trade when you're on the phone. It would take 15 to 20 minutes to place a single trade. And if your trade didn't go through, you'd have to start the whole thing over again. It should be like, you got really good at option symbols too, because it was the stomach symbol plus a letter for the month and a different letter for the strike price. And I remember those, that touch tone trading, that E-Trade had that back in the day. I still go down to SMU's uh, business school library basement, and the the payphone is no longer there. But I, I look right where it used to be, and I'm like, I would spend hours there just going like this. And of course, all I traded like like Leon were way out of the money options because I had virtually no money, and I was trying to make like 30x, 40x on my trades. I think I lost 
on like 95% of my trades, like got zeroed out on back then. Um, <laughs> but, oh man. I just, I just have some headlines as we, we've been on the air here for a couple, you know, two and a half hours, but, um, it looks like there's a regional airline that is shutting down completely from insurmountable uh, obstacles. That is Compass. Uh, it's, it's shutting down uh, currently. Uh, Senate Democrats have proposed canceling $10,000 in student debt for all borrowers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's analysts seeing buying opportunities. Just seeing if there's anything that we that we missed since we haven't really normal. This is this is the longest stretch in in weeks that I have not been glued to uh the tv so when you are I, I the know, tv I sometimes people... looking uh dave some are running rabbit 04 at 114 said is qvc or home shopping network still a thing like are they still public they're still a thing they're huge but are they public i don't know if they're public i haven't even thought about that uh i would imagine if they are that trade's probably long over by now uh and it's not something i want to get in at this stage of the game but yeah, maybe I don't know if this QVC is not. What's the other one? Home, uh, shopping. home shopping network. I don't think so. Someone said, can you start investing with a hundred dollars? Absolutely. Are you kidding me? We started investing <laughs> start with less than a hundred dollars. <laughs> I, I absolutely, when we're talking about touch tone trading, no joke. I completely remember trading actively trading with like 70 bucks in my account where the commission was like 50% of the trade. And I would buy like one option for like 30 bucks and pay like 40 bucks commission or something like that. And that was all, I had like 90 bucks in my account. Um, so a hundred percent, you could do that. Uh, I'm not saying you should with options, <laughs> but you can start investing in it. I mean, anybody could invest at any time uh, with any amount of money. It's free trading, I mean, that right? Was how we, we couldn't afford one share of stock, but we could <laughs> afford one option that represented 100 shares of stock. And so yes. we literally do trade options because it was the equivalent of buying the stock where if you're right, you get the profits. And if you're wrong, you lose all of your money. Well, the, the options we were buying were like 30% out of the money. That's why we could afford to buy them. <laughs> but exactly. All universities are using Zoom for class. That's true. Uh, they're all using it for free, though. right? Mm-hmm. I think it's a free trial they're giving to every school in the country, I heard, or something like that. That is what so, they're doing, yes. Which is genius because what's good? Oh, okay, this is so – I want to talk about this. This is why I love Zoom. We have invested in educational startups that were selling into the education market. And we said, basically, we will never do it again. The reason never why, why, why will we never do it again? Because, because selling- there is zero adoption and getting through the bureaucracy as well <laughs> of a school district, the sell-through channel is impossible. You can't do it. But when there's a, a reason that you have to try the software, you have to try telecommuting, what, what do we call tele-education? <laughs> now it's like, oh, well, we, we tried it. It was actually pretty good. Our kids still had the one-on-one FaceTime with the teacher. It's it's something right. that it's going to be hard for, for schools to give up, for businesses to give up. I, that's one of the reasons that I really like Zoom. So, so let's, just, let's just, here's another little tagline from Dumb Money. It takes a pandemic, okay? <laughs> it, takes, it takes a pandemic to sell anything into the education system. It literally takes a pandemic, but we have a pandemic. And for the first time in history, a company is going to be able to sell their product to every educational school system in the world. 
in like one week, okay? It's happening. Zoom went from, you know, probably a handful of education clients to every school in the world. Do you have any idea the sales that like how much you'd have to spend on sales to do that in a conventional environment? Not millions, not tens of millions, hundreds of millions, probably billions, billions of dollars and probably 10 years to, to sell this into the education system. And Zoom, Zoom has it. They have all the school. Now, can they, how many can they convert to paying clients? I bet over time they're going to convert quite a few because the hardest part is the adoption, as you said, Dave. Yeah. Yeah, Jordan, initial you, trial is 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 key. And if if they were to announce, you know, two months ago that we're having a free trial for all schools, there would have been, you know, very little pickup. But now, when you're forced to use it, when you have to find a solution, and this is a free solution that is high quality, and you can have 500 people on a uh, on a webinar for free, and that's that's amazing. So, um, Jordan, your wife's in education. She started using maybe not Zoom, but one of the other. Using the, uh, so it's our, I think it's our preschool daughter's um, class that's actually doing the telestuff. And I think they're using Microsoft um, for it. Okay. Yeah. Um, a lot of schools use Cisco WebEx, uh, though, plus Cisco is more diversified than just video conferencing. Yeah. Where Zoom is. Teams. That's not right. What? Microsoft Teams. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, I heard. I, I don't know. Maybe it does the same thing. I heard there's the, the functionality and some of the stuff that Zoom does that they don't. It doesn't do. But I could be. I could be wrong. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the weekend before we got to get out of. I, I got to start trading. I, I I'm going crazy watching the market now. So and here's. I, I just want to throw up here real quick uh, where we have a, a chart with uh, both Cisco and Zoom are are having a. <laughs> This is a five-day rally, 14% on Zoom, 12% on Cisco. Um, I'm kind of actually surprised it had as much of an impact on Cisco. Maybe it didn't. Here's here's a longer-term month view where Zoom is is just moving up. Um, okay, so going into the weekend, I, I want to talk about what the strategy is for us. Uh, there are two... Today's are you doing this again tomorrow? No, I don't think I, I. I think I got too much uh, research to do tomorrow I, to be talking for two hours. I, what we had tomorrow is going to be a hectic day going into the weekend, but we can talk about the strategy though. And next week, maybe we come back on on Monday and just talk about what we did over the week, what we're doing on Monday, because Monday is going to be a nutty day. Uh, yeah. But I think going into the weekend, we have two different things. We on, on one side, I think we have transmission rate numbers that appear to still be getting worse in Europe. The Italy number is terrible today. Okay. Absolutely terrible. So that's going to be it's a terrible, right? But is the, we got to look at what's the percentage growth, right? I mean, it sounds huge, right? It, it's starting to flatten. It is starting, starting to, to flatten like a little, little bit. But it's starting to curve a little bit. But it's not curving as much as I think people expected it to right now. Um, yeah. the, the U.S. numbers, I think, are really going to be the ugliest part of this weekend, right? So Really, and it's, it's mostly, from what I can tell, New York. Um, where we're at, Texas, it's still not terrible. I it, think it's going to get – I've been hearing stories around town, Jordan, uh, mm -hmm. uh, how many people are getting infected just through my network. I don't know if the numbers aren't published yet, but I think they're going to start coming out pretty bad, even in Texas. Um, so that's the negative, right? Mm -hmm. On the positive side – 
I think, you know, government, you know, government uh, actions in terms of stimulus, in terms of, you know, the House working with the Senate and the president, I feel like we're going to probably get some positive news and people are going to feel like the government's really taking this seriously. And I think world governments are probably going to cooperate this weekend, maybe do some things in sync with each other. I think the stimulus that we heard of is probably going to grow over the weekend and that will be a positive for the market, right? Um, so I don't really know. I don't really feel strongly one way or the other, except that I'm going to continue to keep a little bit of a neutral market, neutral stance to the weekend, not go long or short. That's exactly uh, what I'm doing. I'm going to, I'm going to stay, I'm going to get my portfolio in a, in a place where it's as neutral as possible, uh, using, using SPY puts. I actually wait, like not that. Puts or hedge? Puts or I hedge. mean, not puts, uh, actual Gosh. shorting of the SPY. And I actually like that because I feel like the stocks that I've individually selected are going to outperform the SPY in general on the upside. And shorting the SPY gives you some of you know that that broad. Um, it, it it is weighted on on the size of the companies, uh, but I, I feel like my my portfolio should outperform the SPY and the upside, and and that will protect me on the downside. Yeah, yeah. Jordan, are you just going to stay kind of where you are right now? Yeah, I mean, through my through this whole thing, like I'm just looking for opportunities, right? And yeah. so I almost did a bunch of buying a couple of days ago when we were really hit down. Um, I didn't pull the trigger on anything, um, so I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. Yeah. Can we just talk about for a second? the results that we would have had if the things that I picked on Monday, I actually went through with, because I am just, I'm kicking myself for not actually yeah, shorting yeah. companies or, or buying puts. So, so explain, we, that, explain that we were going to do. Continue. Explain that this episode was meant for Monday, but we had to change it. So people understand. So, yes. On Monday, we were planning on doing, here are the things that we short the companies that we think could go out of business um, and so I did all my research and was ready to go on Monday, but instead we did an episode just, there was so much news that we just had to kind of say market in turmoil, what's going on. But I had all of this research and these are the things that I was going to, that I was going to, uh, go short on starting with, uh, you know, and basically I, I used some filters. I, I was looking for restaurants, hotel, leisure products, uh, specialty retail, mm -hmm. uh, those kind of things. I was looking for high debt to equity companies. I was looking for companies with high uh, short interest. And these are the ones that I came up with. Carvana. It was trading way down, but still trading at around 40, over 40 on Monday. It's under 25 today. We hate that company, by the way. Hate we it. hate that company. Uh, and there's no reason for it to even still be at 25, but I missed that drop from 40 to 25. Caesars. Monday was at six and a half. Today, it opened under four. Um, Marriott on Monday was trading in the 80 to 88 range. Today, it opened under 60. And uh, we even actually mentioned this one on the show, SeaWorld. Monday, that was trading at 12. Today, it was trading under seven. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't play any of them. Uh, that's insane, Dave. That's insane. Well, you know, I got my shorts in. I'm, I, I wish I would have done some of those too. Uh, you almost, you almost can't pick. You can't pick wrong in this market if you're short, right? It's crazy. Exactly. Um, all right. So, uh, by the way, can Chris talk about why he went long Tesla? I, 
I'm not like a Tesla Colt guy. That's more Jordan than me. But uh, you can't you can't refute the fact that Tesla has got the world's biggest base of Colt investors. And it's going to be a couple of years before we figure out if Tesla is going to work or not in the way that people think it's going to work. For the time being, once I saw Tesla fall from 800 to whatever it was at, 450, 500, I added some shares at like 450. Um, I might, uh, I'm investing not because I necessarily believe in Tesla. Uh, it's all about the, mar the market. P other people believe in it. And I think it's going to be a huge snapback here when the market cracks. So that's it. Uh, wh what are you using to, uh, let's see. What am I, I using know to I need companies to get like this? I, I use a combination. So, um, those, I actually was using the Schwab stock screener and just filtering for those, those things I, that I mentioned. Um, I, I've also, you know, there's, there's free ones on the internet. Uh, I, there's, there's a bunch of different tools that I use, but nothing proprietary or, or expensive. Uh, I will start using a better camera. I'm using my laptop right now. Guys are complaining. Uh, Dave warned me. Yeah, I, I complain about that all the time too. Look how look how much better Jordan and I look. And we're hoping that the streaming platform we use will be upgrading to 1080, so we can actually be in in better HD. I think we're at 720 now. So hopefully these streams will look even better in the future as we do more and more of them. Yeah, I, I might do the camera setup that I started with a while back. That you, uh, I think I'll, you I'll actually need a, a faster laptop. You're still using the uh, that old MacBook. <laughs> you need to get a MacBook Pro. I'm on MacBook Pro, and you can actually see me. Yeah. Are you at a MacBook Pro for that? Um, I have to buy another MacBook just for this. I mean, that's a nightmare, Dave. It's like what fifteen hundred bucks. I mean, you could literally stream from an iPad, and it will look better than what you're using right now. Can I? I'll try that. I got a new iPad. I can. I can try that. We'll do a test. We'll do a test off. Of All right. That'll be good. All right. All right. Listen, guys. Remember, don't do what we're doing because your risk is different than our risk. Uh, but do subscribe uh, and, and make sure to learn. Smash the like button because Please. it helps us with the YouTube algorithm. Yeah, and you can continue to. These comments from today will not show up in our comment list. You have to add new comments once this video gets like what like uh, processed by YouTube. And then you yeah, can leave comments for us and we'll talk. The archive and trim off that. Uh, we, we had that press conference from the president at the beginning that we'll trim off for the archive. Um, so we won't have the chat. So definitely leave comments for us. Make sure you subscribe to both of our channels, Dumb Money and Dumb Money Live. And hey there, Dave here. Um, and we're also on our uh, a podcast, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google, wherever you, uh, wherever you watch those. Um, yeah. And, uh, else to say? No, we'll reply to the comments once you actually add comments to the real video, uh, once it gets posted to YouTube. Uh, we might be a little slow because we're trading all day, all night, but we'll, we'll I flush a couple times a day we'll on there. Answer some comments. Yeah. Um, keep social distancing. Keep isolating yourselves. Yeah, yeah. And and, and uh, like I said, this is, this is a generational event uh, for an investor. There's so much learning here. We hope you're learning about how we think. Remember, have a prepared mind and run scenario modeling. We've been teaching you every episode how to run scenario modeling, all the various scenarios in advance of them happening. So when they happen, you already know what you're going to buy, what you're going to sell. You know the exact stocks. If you're trading options, you know the exact strike price. You have to know what you're going to do when a different scenario plays out. 
So if the U.S. comes out tomorrow and says we have 10,000 new cases in New York, that should be a scenario that you've already run. So the second that tweet happens from, was it BNO desk? Is that Twitter account we follow? The second that tweet comes out, you already know that if that happens, you're going to short whatever you want to do. Like, I know if that happens, I'm going to put increase my short position on the SPY, right? That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. All and right, put thanks. on your calendar uh, Monday at noon Eastern, 11 Central, 9 West Coast. We'll be back doing another Dumb Money Live. We'll see you then. <laughs> 